you're listening to the Bluth Society, a podcast where we talk about Don Bluth's 10 signature animated films, and this is a podcast by three animation geeks. My name is Havana. I'm Carrie. And I'm Dee. If you want to tweet or post about the podcast, use hashtag Bluth Society, or you can check out our new Twitter account, at Bluth Society. Today we are talking about the 1994 classic, Thumbelina! (laughs) (laughs) We were so excited about reaching this one. We were, (laughs) and then I realized that I was a trash child and all my movies, my faves are trash. (laughs) These are trash! I loved it still! (laughs) I love the songs, but we'll get into it. Definitely. Anyways, um, yeah, do you guys, uh, do you guys remember when you first saw Thumbelina? I was, let's see, it came out in 94, I think I was five years old, and that sounds about right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, I was, um, I had a very clear, uh, memory of seeing this in the theater with my mom and dad. I don't know, because, like, my mom and dad would tell me the story of Thumbelina, like, very early in my Mm. childhood, and so we were so psyched when the movie came out. So, like, I have a very, it's one of the um, Don Bluth films I liked the most as a kid. Mm. Yeah, as a kid, I remember, I mean, I didn't see it in theater, Mm -hmm. but I did watch it on VHS a lot. Like, I still have my VHS actual What? (laughs) Are you serious? Yeah, wow. I still have the VHS, and I watched the hell out of that movie. <laughs> it's got some catchy songs. It does. Yeah. What about you, Carrie? Um, I remember seeing this when I was, I was a bit older. I was still one of those kids that when they were like eight, nine, ten, were like watching these things like mm-hmm. hardcore. So I was watching this. Um, I remember sitting down and watching this in this duplex that my mom and I were renting. Mm-hmm. And I remember watching it so often, mostly because I liked the music, yeah. that my mother was like, shut the fucking thing off. Like, she was <laughs> yeah. so annoyed. Um, so I think a cousin let me borrow it or something, and then mysteriously it disappeared. Oh, <laughs> oh. oh wow. So, whoops. It's um, kind of funny. My mom actually really liked it. <laughs> but your mom's a cool mom. Your mom is <laughs> Your mom goes to Disney. Oh my god! Your mom's a Disney mom. <laughs> Disney mom. Cool. Um, but yeah, do we want to jump into the movie? Or uh, actually, we should probably share some facts about the movie first, right? So funny story. There's not many facts. It's originally based on a Hans Christian Andersen story, which it almost verbatim sticks to the original it fixes some issues with the original story mm. um for sure interesting mm-hmm. yeah um we'll probably and we'll that. dive into that yeah. a little bit later but um i think obviously this like this was around the disney renaissance with like the success of Little Mermaid yep. happening in late 80s, right? Actually, 94, um, didn't the Lion King come out in either 95 mm-hmm. or... Pretty like, sure the Lion yeah. King came out. But then at that point, Beauty and Beast and Aladdin had come out, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I Yeah, Aladdin like- had already came out. I actually read an article from 1994 about this movie, and it said, if you like Aladdin, you will like this oh, movie. Oh, <laughs> interesting. Yeah. But yeah, because there was, um, I mean, this was this is the first princess movie uh, that we've seen of Don Blues. Mm-hmm. It's the first one in that collection, and uh, there's a lot that's like, I don't know if 
he's ripping off of the Disney formula or the Disney formula is kind of riffing off the Belize. I, I don't know. There was a lot of vibes. From a he lot definitely of was can... borrowing from the um, Cinderella, like yeah. the old classic. He was definitely borrowing from the classics mm-hmm. for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, Especially that intro. Good God. Yes. Okay, so <laughs> I think Thumbelina was uh, Thumbelina was actually completed in 1993, but okay. they held off on releasing it until I think it was November of uh, 94. 94. Lion King had uh, opened um, in, in 95. And no, in 94. Oh. But it was in June, so they didn't have as much to compete against. Okay. Um, <clears throat> but uh, yeah. Wait, Thumbelina couldn't have come out after. It came out after The Lion King? No, before. You just said November 94. November 94. And if The Lion King came out June of 94. That's what I'm saying. The Lion King was already out of theaters by the time. Yes, Thumbelina would have come out after. Yes. That's what she said. That's what what Dee said. No, that's what I was asking. Oh, oh, yes. (laughs) Hey, Havana. Future Havana, please cut that bit. Yeah. Um, Jesus, um, but yeah, so it um it didn't do well. Yeah, so I I know D, you were saying that yeah. while you were watching it, I was kind of surprised, honestly. What did we know why it made? I mean, like I mean, now that I've watched it as an adult and I had to actually scrutinize it, I can definitely see some glaring issues with it, and. Especially as comparing to, like, you get an article saying, oh, if you like Aladdin, you'll love this movie. Oh, right. But that's a tough... That's That's a a tough tough act to follow. (laughs) Yeah, act to follow. That's a tough bargain, man. Like, can you imagine watching Aladdin and then watching this? This looks like, for sure, a homemade movie. Uh, Like a home... Like a... um, VHS release. Yeah. Oh, okay. I understand. Yeah. Yeah. It was, like, I'm sure maybe all the marketing was, like, geared that way like framed like if you like disney classics you'll love you love this yeah it's about a girl who lives in a whatever pineapple under the sea (laughs) i think i think like if people you know aladdin was very new in that you know it had robin williams being Mm -hmm. such a headliner for that movie and it's like a lot of modern jokes and stuff like that, like pulling from the times, of course. When I say modern, yeah. I mean like 1993 or whatever it was. Yeah. Um, but like, yeah, I guess uh, with the Molina, you know, it's more classic, like what you were saying with Cinderella, mm-hmm. borrowing that formula. Mm-hmm. So, um, just some quick numbers here. The budget for this film was <clears throat> was 28 million. Okay. It grossed worldwide. Eleven point four oh, million. Oh, yeah. So they yeah, were under budget. <laughs> That's actually I forget. Yeah, yeah, they were hell under budget. So one of the things that happened during this point was that um, in May nineteen ninety three, uh, Don Bluth Ireland. Oh wait, 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 wait. Um, it was completed May nineteen ninety three uh, at the Don Bluth Ireland Limited Studios uh, in Dublin, but. Yeah. Um, it was completed with the funds from a filmmaker named John Borman and a Hong Kong-based media media assets. That's just what it's called um, for Don Blues Entertainment. Um, because at that point, like somewhere during this point, Don Blues actually filed for bankruptcy. Oh, um, so man. the studio was like, "We've got to figure out how to how to deal with this." So. 
Um, they were probably banking on Thumbelina to be a big success. They probably were. And then also, it looked like um, the companies uh, that were going to do the... Um, actual like distribution for Don Blues at that point mm-hmm. when they heard that he'd, he'd gone filed for bankruptcy they dropped out oh no and so Warner Brothers uh, bought the distribution rights um, oh. as sort of an afterthought and I don't because they just bought the distribution rights I don't think they really did much media push for it either oh that's a thought anyway interesting don't quote me on that yeah interesting <laughs> Do we want to jump into the movie? Yeah, let's get into it. Yeah. So, first part, um, it's, and I'll, I'll explain the differences as I come up to them. Yeah. But the first part of the movie is basically an intro. You have Giacomo flying in and he's talking about, look at all these classic stories, but nothing is as great as Thumbelina. He mm-hmm. mentions... Samson and Delilah and Romeo and Juliet, <laughs> which are tragedies, which makes more sense if you read the original. Ah. Because the original is honestly really sad. Like, I was just kind of like... <laughs> it's dark. It's it, dark. It gets dark before it gets bright at the end. It's Hans Christian Anderson. It's, like, it's sad. He was like man. the original fairy tale emo boy. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I would say the Grimm brothers were probably the original... That may be the original, but yeah, that's true. But he was their follow-up. <laughs> uh, so basically, um, it starts off. They do this intro. They have this kind of fly-in. You have a, a storybook opening, kind of like what you would see in um, Cinderella or Sleeping Beauty or Snow the, White. Yeah. Snow White, the mm-hmm. classic princesses mm-hmm. uh, from Disney. And then you get Thumbelina. Thumbelina's born in a flower by um, her mother asks a fairy in the movie. But in the original story, she actually asks a witch. Mm -hmm. She says, oh, I'm so lonely. I wish I had. It's kind of a be careful what you wish for type of situation where she says, oh, I would just love a little tiny child. I'm so lonely. Mm -hmm. She gets Thumbelina. (laughs) Yeah. And she named her Thumbelina because she's no bigger than her thumb, which everybody thinks is stupid. (laughs) You get this. Even the farm animals. Even the farm animals think it's dumb. So farm animals were just like hazing her. You get this um cute song with the farm animals and it's basically introing you to who Thumbelina is and how small and clueless she is and how all of these, it literally takes a village of animals to raise her because her mother is oblivious to how much her life is in danger. Mm -hmm. Um, From there she goes to sleep and she sleeps in a tiny little walnut um, next to a storybook that's all about fairies and she falls in love with the idea of this fairy prince mm-hmm. uh, meanwhile there's a prince out there is a fairy prince out there and um his mother and father are introed as well and they're trying to get him to you know behave and act like a good little prince and he's flying around on his bumblebee and he comes across the Molina singing about how much she'd love to meet a prince. And he swoops in like the fuck boy he is. And <laughs> <laughs> Did we mention that? No. <laughs> oh, by forget. the way, this is not for children. <laughs> not for children. Okay, that's the one party intro I always forget. <laughs> yes, 
not for kids. We're gonna swear and talk about adult themes, probably. Mm-hmm. Um, so he swoops in. Uh, he goes in for the kiss, uh, like almost immediately after meeting her. And then um, they decide, okay, wait, no, we're going to, like, do this beautiful song where we fly around and um, I'll be your wings, Thumbelina, even though you don't have wings, blah, 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 we're in love. Mm-hmm. And then he goes away and he says, I have to go do this prince thing and then I'll be back for you and we'll get married. And that's where mm-hmm. our first part stops. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah so um, I it, the farm animals singing about uh, Thumbelina kind of made me think of like the bell song about how how different she is uh, yeah yeah um except They're much nicer <laughs> yeah except that like the uh I guess in, in Belle's case she's like intelligent and I guess they were hinting at Thumbelina's naivete or something yeah, yeah. but um <laughs> At one point, D, you were you said, "I'm worried about her size." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because if you haven't listened to the uh, previous episodes, one recurring thing we keep noticing in Don Bluth's films is that he like the He's size just really bad at sizing the sizing of the characters and and just animated items in the in the movies are so inconsistent. Mm-hmm. Like the size. Just changes throughout the movie, uh, so I thought that was funny. Yeah, <laughs> but, he uh, did a good job though. So yes, he, he did a really good job this time. Yes, he got it down. I was worried too. I was like, uh oh, is she <laughs> gonna be like four feet tall in one scene? <laughs> yeah, they keep being like, oh, she's so small, and you know, like everything's so big, and I'm so small, yeah. and I'm just like, oh, she's she's gonna be like four feet tall at one point. <laughs> I wanted to know. How this old lady met this fairy witch lady who gave her the seed, Thumbelina. Oh my god, what, how did that exchange happen? Because the old lady must have been like, I want a child, I want someone to love. And then she is given the seed, uh, and then she plants a flower. Like, did she know a little human is gonna like, come out of that flower? Yeah, so like in the movie, they do not explain that. In the original story, she actually goes and seeks out the old witch. Oh, okay. So interesting. Yeah. So this is something I have to say about mom. At one point, Thumbelina asks, "Have you ever seen a fairy?" Oh, yes. And mom says, "Well, I thought I saw one once." And I'm just like, "I gave you the barley corn, you bitch!" Yeah. And it's like, are you just lying ass? <laughs> you got. Basically, yeah, I just don't understand. Like, I I don't understand how they were thinking on that. It was really... And that fairy witch looked the same size as the mother. Yeah, Yeah. it was like a weird, like, blue fairy kind of thing. Yes. And that was was like a good witch, you know, like Oz. Yeah. (laughs) Good witches have wings. Mm, yeah, sure. In this Linda universe, yeah, I guess. Did she? I thought she had she a bubble. Did. did she? Oh, she did have a bubble. Never mm. mind. She looks like she would have wings. <laughs> but the, the, the fairy from Pinocchio. Yes, she, she, had, she, she had wings. wings. It, it really did look like just a rendition of the blue fairy. Yeah, it did. Um, and <laughs> there was a point where uh, Dumbledore was like lamenting, like, I wish I was big. I was like, that fairy witch could have made her big. What a bitch. 
Yeah. Yeah. Huh. She um, was... Yeah. I mean, you didn't think... Like, okay, one of the things I was actually a little confused about was in the beginning, I couldn't tell where time was. Like, was that whole beginning sequence, Thumbelina, being born and then being in the garden? Yeah, and I then, like, I guess how I... How long had she been there? I guess I assumed she had been there for a while. At least enough for the animal, all the animals to know who the hell she is. Maybe, yeah, mm-hmm. I guess so. It was just like, I feel like she'd been born like two days ago. Yeah, the timeline in this is not very good, but in the original story, they actually have much more of a timeline. And it's, it's short enough to where I read it while we were watching the movie, probably in about 15 minutes. Mm. So uh, in the original story, she's born in like spring it goes through winter and then spring again and then in winter is when she <gasps> finally meets the prince the second winter so, so she was there for it's a like year. a two it's two years oh, span oh interesting huh. so very strange i did not get that okay nope. good. <laughs> <laughs> the movie's timeline has definitely got to be different because there's definitely only right. one winter yeah yeah so interesting okay um, oh, Hero the dog. That that guy looks like Pluto. <laughs> Not only does he look like he looks like a weird mix of Pluto and Bruno. Mm-hmm. From oh, Cinderella. From Cinderella. He does he look like, like Bruno. That's so true. Bruno and Pluto. Yeah, it was kind of freaky looking though. Time was he was he. I hated how he had a bald patch. Yes, I was like, what? Is what? With that? He has a tumor on his head. Right? Like, I don't it's know. It's not yeah, attractive. What's wrong with this dog? Like, <laughs> Does he have mange? Clearly, <laughs> this lady is just bad at taking care of everything. <laughs> yeah, she really is. <laughs> oh my god. Oh yeah. man. I mean, I don't know. Like, Thumbelina had a whole room to herself. <laughs> yeah, right. like it was weird to me that there was a cradle. Well, I think I think the incline, uh, the implication there is that she wanted a child. Yeah, okay. And she couldn't, and, she and couldn't. so that's why she went to the witch. Oh, uh, okay, mm-hmm. okay, okay, okay. Gosh, gosh. So I thought that was an interesting detail to put in mm, the... That's true. That's very true. Yeah. Mm. And then, you know, the prince. Of um, course. Yes. Yeah, so, like, oh. I will forever stand this prince. I don't care. <laughs> like, <laughs> he called him a fuckboy. He is a fuckboy. <laughs> But he's a good fuck boy. <laughs> <laughs> like, he walked in, he was like, I'm forever tamed. <laughs> yes, because it was very, um, it gave me, you know, uh, Briar Rose vibes. Where, yes. Where uh, is just like dancing and singing her I Want song. Mm-hmm. Singing about having someone love her. And he comes in. And he, uh, first of all, he brandishes a sword, cuts through yeah. the book. Like, <laughs> where did up her book, dude? <laughs> I mean, but that pun was on time, so. <laughs> it was. And, um, yeah, so, of course, they're, like, immediately flirting, immediately, like, leaning in close for a kiss. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we've all seen the princess trope. Yes, it, it's on brand. It's on brand. And then, like, there was something that I noted that I thought was weird. Like, um, Thumbelina was asking about his wings, and, like, she, I think she mentioned that she wants wings. And then he just, like, 
maybe one day you'll get wings yourself. Like, how do you know? <laughs> Did you know? Yeah. Oh, okay. Another, another. I guess because we've talked about this entire part, I can. In yeah. the original story, she doesn't even meet the prince at this time. Like none of this happens mm. with the prince. Mm-hmm. So like it, it goes straight from I have a child. She's sleeping in a walnut, and then the next part that we haven't talked about. Ah. Uh, oh, interesting. Whoa. Okay. Mm-hmm. Huh. All okay. right. Um, anything else about? Um, I love this song. I love yes. <laughs> the song that Cornelius and Thumbelina sing. Yeah, like you ask anybody about Thumbelina, I feel like the first song that comes up is this song. Let <laughs> me be your wings. <laughs> it's also one of the few things like I remember very clearly. Oh yeah, like, like this song, the words like stuck to me yeah the words mm-hmm. stuck to me but the part like i just remember like the like on dance on saturn's rings and it's the pumpkin and they're making yeah. like that like mm-hmm. they're they use the set and they use like so much of that and the camera movements are just oh, freaking wild absolutely. yeah like they do such a good job with that and it makes it this the set piece signature song and yeah. scene. Yeah. But then it just sort of Ooh, alliteration. Does, <laughs> then it just sort of fizzles out after that. Mm-hmm. I mean there's still some good songs, but yeah. it doesn't quite But yeah, that's definitely like yeah. the most beautiful sequence. It is. It's yeah. gorgeous, it's well done and I I've always loved the way that Don Bluth plays with light um mm-hmm. and sparkles. Like he's he does glitter well. Yes. Um and every and, time they come back to this song it's always a really interesting scene too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's which true. we'll talk about later. Oh, we need to talk about the dress. Oh yes! Oh In God! Sequence. So clearly, clearly, Flora and Meriwether are hiding in the background somewhere, still going no pink, no blue, no pink. Like her dress changes throughout the song. Throughout yeah. the song, it from just, blue to pink, and, and I guess it, it might be like you know, like the one lighting. Point, it seems like it's lighting, and then it just keeps doing it, and it's like, okay, now what are you yeah. doing? You're, you're yeah. just playing around. Like you're I always so thought it was just like artistic, uh, you know, like somewhat pink elephant seat. <laughs> I feel like somebody was like, look, we could blend the two. <laughs> and just we could blend. Went ham. <laughs> Definitely. Also, can we talk about Cornelius's uh, '90s bowl haircut? Oh yeah. God, yeah. <laughs> he has a terrible haircut. Terrible. Oh, yeah. And like his outfit is so like Peter Panish and weird. Mm-hmm. But I will still stand Prince uh, Prince Cornelius. No, he's... Prince Cornelius is my second favorite prince of any oh, any interesting. Movie. Wait, first. <laughs> he actually gave Eric. me. <laughs> Eric. Oh, oh, Eric. <laughs> Eric. Nah, Eric was great. Eric is actually like terrible as a person because he's really dumb. He's... But like, I like the way he looks. I like that he's swashbuckling mm-hmm. and like that's so cool. Like as a kid, I loved like pirates and Aww, sailors and things like that. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, whoa, this is so awesome! It's so awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. Like one of the things that caught me off guard with uh, watching like just the acting and stuff with Cornelius is just how much they 
they did lift a lot from the Peter Pan because there's moments where he's oh. flitting around. Mm-hmm. You can hear like the, the, the or like notes of that flute that are kind of in the same area whenever yeah. he's around. He has his own flute-based theme. The um, way that he even kind of moves, and he's like yeah. when he cuts in and he's like, Can he I cut looks in like he literally Peter. is Peter Pan. Like Peter Pan when he's like trying to tell you what's for. He's just like what's for and then like puts his hand on its hip and like throws his hand in the air just like I also love I did one part I do remember clearly from before like the let me be your wing sequence is that the moment where uh Dumbelina like she gets scared and she like hides in the teapot and he goes after her and there's that that shot of him looking down Mm-hmm. And he like drums his fingers, oh. and he's like, hmm. and I don't know why, but as a kid, I was like, why is that hot? <laughs> <laughs> See, you're gonna stand Cornelius Stevens. <laughs> I do like Cornelius, yeah. he and he reminds me a lot of Prince Philip. Yes, the Sleeping mm-hmm. Beauty, because he has the the mount he constantly talks to yeah he has that that he's very arrogant too he's got that arrogant side of it and then he's also got that whole let me just like hop in here and be like (laughs) slide on in these not dms like i mean hey girl he's a prince i'm clearly a prince (laughs) oh and then uh what was it like um we implied from uh his parents and what they were saying, like, is he a player? Yeah, like, like, yeah. his mom she was, was just like, he's just buzzing around the veils on that bumblebee. Like, I wish he would just calm down. Yeah, <laughs> basically, she, then basically, he had the whole bad boy thing. Like, he rides, I guess it's Essentially buzz, a flying motorcycle. A flying motorcycle. He rides mm-hmm. it like a motorcycle, and I'm just like, wow, okay, I gotcha. Mm-hmm. Huh, Okay. Um, one of the other things I wanted to mention was that at the very beginning, uh, one of the opening things you see is this 3D flying through. It's a 3D fly through of Paris, yeah, the yeah. Paris streets mm-hmm. and stuff like in that. In the very beginning. In yeah. the very, very beginning. And this was, I'm not going to say it's one of the the big, you know, animation moments because they we had things like, um, what was it? Uh, the clock tower in, um, uh, fuck, what is that movie? Uh, Great Mouse Detective and things like that. Like, 3D was coming into its own, but at that point, I remember everybody being really impressed with that shot. Like, oh my gosh, I'm flying through it. Now it just sort of looks like, you know, Final Fantasy VII. I mean, that happens with 3D <laughs> yeah, animation, but Yeah. I just remember that. You're going to find that even with clearly. the best. Yeah. Like, Toy Not Story. as bad as when, like... Uh, the Road to El Dorado starts off. Oh, good. I haven't seen that in years. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> I wish they didn't leave 2D. Back to Don Bluth. <laughs> Back to Don Bluth. <laughs> so, um, the next part, mm-hmm. there's um, essentially, actually, a part while they're doing the Let Me Be Your Wings song, mm-hmm. they fly by these toads. And then one of the toads goes, Mama, I love her. <laughs> and then... <laughs> that was a good impression. <laughs> I then, love her. And then... So, Shadow Toad <laughs> um, says, Okay, son, I'm going to go get that girl for you. She, you're going to marry her. She's so, cute. I like her. For anybody that doesn't know who Shadow is. So, Shadow is a... Um, 
Well, I don't want to be wrong. I think she's Mexican. Um, singer, um, actress, just entertainer. And mm -hmm. um, she's like a classic kind of person. She's basically like the Latina Dolly Parton. Oh, <laughs> so I got that for sure. Is that yeah, she had such big. She does actually. Everything? Yeah. Okay, mm -hmm. gotcha. She's very exaggerated. Gotcha. And this toad, essentially, the way the toad acts mm -hmm. is exactly who Chara is. <clears throat> oh wow! So she is that animated. Wow. <laughs> I did love. Uh, what What's her name in the movie? Um, Mrs. Toad. I think it's just Mrs. Toad. Mm -hmm. She was awesome. I loved her even as a kid. Yeah. <laughs> like, I like her long pink hair. <laughs> mm -hmm. I know, yeah. Like, as a kid, I was... This is the reason why I even found out as a kid who Chato was, is because when I watched this movie, I was like, Mother, this lady is awesome. Who is she? And then my mom showed me who Chato was. She the voice? Yeah. Okay. That's mm -hmm. cool. Yeah. Awesome. So I, she had to be really fun to animate because there's so much follow through and she was just so vibrant and expressive. Mm -hmm. Oh man. Mm -hmm. So much It was fun. fun watching that character. Yeah. Yeah. That was very, okay. But so, you know, um, after the Melina goes back and she goes to sleep, uh, Mrs. Toad, I'm trying not to call her Chato Toad, <laughs> Mrs. Toad comes in and um, steals her and, you know, there's a kind of a little chase with Hero and then he sucks. So <laughs> He failed at the one job. He failed. The one job you had. <laughs> But Thumbelina gets kidnapped. She gets kidnapped. She's brought onto their boat where they have this whole mariachi like thing um, that they do. Mm -hmm. And then they make Thumbelina sing with them. And um, then they leave her there on Basically, her, her uh, plan was to use Thumbelina to make her money, right? Yep. Yes. Yeah. Well, no, I think it started with her son wanting to marry oh, Thumbelina, okay. and she was like, but also she could make us lots of money. Gotcha. And she was up front with Thumbelina. I have to give her that. She was yeah. up, up, up front. But um, <laughs> so then she's like, all right, you're going to marry my son. And then Thumbelina's like, what? I'm marrying the prince. What are you talking about? And then she leaves her there on a leaf and then goes off to get the wedding party. And then, um, <laughs> and so Thumbelina's stuck and some like bugs and uh, fish and other animals hear her crying. Oh, well, no, first Giacomo comes out of nowhere and makes things worse as birds in Don Bluth films do. <laughs> <laughs> They're so useless. I There's don't understand always it. the worst for some reason. That's, that was Thumbelina's first time meeting him, right? No. No? Was it? I don't remember. It no, was... that was the first time she met Giacomo. Okay, yeah. Okay, yeah, that was the first time she met him. And then he comes in, he's like, oh, I'll help you. And then he cuts the lily pad, and she goes floating down the river really fast. And he's like, oh, no, you're going too fast. And she's you did this to me. <laughs> <laughs> so she then she gets saved. And also Giacomo gets saved because he starts drowning trying to save her. Um, buy some fish and some other animals. Yeah. Um, they talk. You find out that they're uh, the bugs are the jitterbugs, and this is purely just to set them up for later when they help save her mm -hmm. or try to. <laughs> um, 
So then Jacquemot goes, okay, I'm going to fly off and find this fairy, fairy prince of yours in the Vale of the Fairies to come get you. And so um, instead of picking her up and taking her home. But yeah. we'll talk about that later. We'll talk about that. <laughs> and then um, next scene, they have the beetle bard, or not the beetle bard, sorry. The beetle ball. <laughs> the beetle ball. And Mr. Beetle, Mr. Beetle finds Thumbelina as she's walking away, trying to find her way home. And he says, hey, girl, I'm going to make you big. And she goes, big? Because so suddenly, you know, fuck the prince. (laughs) (laughs) She wants to be human size now. But he goes, no, 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 I'm going to make you famous. And she's just like, oh, cool, I'm going to be famous. And she's gotten a taste of, like, people liking her. And um, he flies her up to the beetle ball. He says, I'm going to make you sing. Everybody's going to love you. And instead, he dresses her up like a butterfly. And then they make her dance. It was like a a butterfly Lady Gaga. Yeah, basically. (laughs) They make her dance. They spin her too fast. All her stuff goes flying off. And everybody's like, you're ugly. (laughs) She's not a beetle. And so the beetle's like, yeah. You're ugly, sorry, I don't want you anymore, even though he definitely thought she was beautiful. It was this. very confusing as yeah. a child. Um, it's incredibly confusing as a child. <laughs> and then that's where we'll stop this segment. Yes, I love the dress during the Beetle Ball, even as a kid. <laughs> it was my favorite outfit. But yeah, dude, that scene was really confusing to me because he was like, Kissing her too. What like, like it was like yeah. this is where you say, you know, that's my purse, I don't know you. Right. Like, so <laughs> in my she and she was. She I was know. like, who oh, I just met you. Stop it. <laughs> so yes. in my I mean, notes I called stop. him sexual harassment beetle. Yeah. It's, like, <laughs> so. it's so true. Seriously. He like I remember even as a kid that that whole thing made me very confused and uncomfortable. Oh yeah. Like, like um, the kissing was weird. It so was. he like takes Stumbling's arms and starts kissing her arms up and down, even though she's like, I don't know you, get away from me. Um yeah. so it was super confusing when at the end of the Beetle Ball he's like, Oh, you're ugly. I was like, Huh? <laughs> <laughs> but he's so present human. <laughs> That was very strange. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, okay, so there's some differences between the original story and yeah. this part. Go ahead. So, like I said, the prince, meeting the prince and all of that wasn't in the original story. It literally goes from she's born to she's kidnapped mm. by the toad. Now, in the original, the toads are all ugly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, Mrs. Toad is ugly. Um, all her sun toads are ugly. Obviously, in the movie, that her sun toads are still ugly. Yeah. yeah. Um, and there's also something to be said about like the inappropriateness of what they did in the movie with the toads. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's the stere- the negative stereo negative Latino stereotypes that they use here, and um, while. Mrs. Toad fares pretty well. I mean, like, obviously we love her. She's attractive. Yeah. She's cool. She's exciting. But the her sons very much so follow negative stereotypes. Literally, their names are um, Mozo, Gringo, and Grande. <laughs> <laughs> like, what? <laughs> um, yeah, I was like, do I hear Gringo? <laughs> yeah, I, that's what I was like. His name is... 
white person? <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> um, and then like and they're the and singers they, de España. So there's the they're the singers of Spain. Yes. So which is, weird. which is very weird. That's not like Spanish culture. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, it's weird. Like, I mean, the the outfits that they were in were somewhat correct. Like the the sort of clown like outfit is mm-hmm. sort of a European clown yeah. idea. But, yeah. um, yeah, yeah um, Mrs. Toad was not dressed like like that. anything. <laughs> yeah, it had anything. Like yeah, it was really weird. Um, mm-hmm. but the song and they but nice. and they sucked at kidnapping. They, they really just, did. They, Okay, so in the original story, they actually do that. (laughs) So they, but it makes a little more sense in the original story. So what she does is she goes, she kidnaps uh, Thumbelina, brings her back. The son's like, wow, she's beautiful. I want to marry her. And she says, yes, okay, you'll marry her. You'll make me rich. Um, But I'm going to um, put her on this lily pad so she I mean this lily pad would be like an island to her she won't be able to escape while we go off to get all of the wedding party and the you know Mm -hmm. marital stuff gotcha so um (laughs) so they kind of trap her there's of course no singing in fairy tales so right uh, and I feel like this is the only song that was necessary (laughs) to be honest Mm -hmm. in the movie (laughs) but um yeah, in the original story, they leave her on this lily pad because she's so small and she won't be able to get off. And then she's trapped there yeah. while they go get what they need. Yeah. Um, That's true. That's so true. So there you go. Um, <laughs> she's, oh, Giacomo does not come in at this part either. Um, Giacomo doesn't come in until later and he's much more competent than he is in the oh, movie. Oh, okay. In mm-hmm. the original story. Okay. Yeah, speaking of Giacomo, when he uh, when we first meet him, he of course does the song number "Follow mm-hmm. Your Heart," and he like she's asking him, well, "How do I get home? How do I get to the Vale of the Fairies?" And like, just follow your heart. Yeah. And I was like, easy He's for a work. bird to say. Yeah, no, <laughs> easy for a damn animal who can fly <laughs> up. <laughs> What direction he's walking? I'm just like, what the hell? Okay, let's pretend he doesn't. He can't carry her, which that's not true because in the end, flies her. He could have just flew up real quick, like, oh, go that way, like point in the direction. (laughs) Instead, he just has her wandering around, saying, "Follow your heart." Fuck that bird. Fuck that bird. <laughs> Hashtag fuck that bird. <laughs> so funny. Yes. And then of course, um, I think there we also see um around the scene, Grande is upset because they lost like he's lost Thumbelina and he's like, I will get her back. Uh and so that kind of sets up mm-hmm. an antagonist throughout the movie. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I was noticing throughout the scene is the character designs of the extras and the animals. Um, mm-hmm. Because there's, it's a really weird mix because if you put like, like with, especially with the jitterbugs, putting Thumbelina right beside the jitterbugs, they look like 
they fade into the background. It's not even that they, they fade into the background. It's just like they don't look like they come from the same movie. Yeah, the character design. The character yeah. design is like they almost look like they belong in one of those old nineteen thirties shorts. Exactly. That is literally what I was gonna say because mm-hmm. a lot of the background animals and stuff like that that aren't prominent and forward. Um, they all look like they come out of the 30s and 40s. Mm-hmm. And it's just sort of like a weird... It is weird. It is weird. Like on Maybe one... they have... I felt like that about the background and the characters don't mm-hmm. match either. Like they're yeah. so... The characters are so flat and literally almost everything in this movie is so painterly that yeah. like... Mm. It's just like two different... Like you just put yeah. these on top of like... I don't know, completely di- a completely different movie. Yeah. I can see that. Like, like the background art kind of seemed Thomas Kincaid. I was going to yes. say that. It looks like you just plopped him in a Thomas Kincaid painting. <laughs> yeah. I can agree with that completely. Yeah. But, um, but no, I, I agree with the jitterbug designs. I think Even compared to the other prominent animals, such as uh, Jacques Moe, the, the toads, the beetle. Mm-hmm. They're very different. They are. And they. one of the things that I was thinking about while I was watching this is um, when you're in, when I was studying animation, um, one of the things that we had to do was history of animation. And what I kept being reminded of was a short done by Disney called The Rite of Spring, hmm. which was the first time they ever, like, actually tried to, to animate a human female form. Oh. You guys have probably seen this. I have seen this. It's like, it looks like she's kind of like, it's basically telling the story of Hades and Persephone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But the woman who's in this is like so floppy. Yeah, like, like she has no bones. <laughs> it's really bizarre. Yeah. But it's also really well done. And I kept looking at that and thinking, I feel like this is. If you look up the Rite of Spring and watch it, I feel like they're trying to get a lot of that. Like, that was one of their big hmm. inspirations. Okay, yeah. Um, so, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I will say the jitterbugs have a lot of squash and stretch. So much. Yeah. <laughs> but then it's, it's like, kind of like... But it's so exaggerated that it just yeah. uh, reinforces that whole character design difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was going to say that, yeah. It's so yeah. very different from mm-hmm. everybody else. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay, so looks like we're ready for the next part. Ooh. So <laughs> the next part, I'm going to have to speed through a little bit because there's a lot of like, okay, yeah, unnecessary things. Yes, there is. So <laughs> there's a whole montage of Jacquemo going to different animals, trying to figure out where the veil of the fairies is. He gets his wing hurt and he falls and then winter happens. Meanwhile, um... Thumbelina, you know, is taken down from the tree. She's discarded by the beetle. Um, the She goes and finds a lock somewhere. She's crying. She gets taken in by the field mouse, Mrs. Field Mouse. Um, meanwhile, uh, Grande finds <laughs> Mr. Beetle. <laughs> meanwhile, Grande finds Mr. Beetle, takes his wings. Oh, my God. That was out, I guess. Yeah, it's like you're gonna help me find the prince, and then the V, Mr. V is like, no, and then he just rips his wings off his back. I was thinking to myself, like, can can he do that to fairies? Like, right? Like, um, why did he do that? (laughs) Let me do a quick correction. The um. The, the short isn't called The Rite of Spring. It's called The Goddess of Spring. Ah, okay. Gotcha. Yes. Go ahead. And so, um, yeah, so he takes his wings and tells him, you're going to find this fairy prince and you're going to kill him. 
<laughs> or you're gonna bring him to me and I'll kill him. Mm-hmm. So then um, the beetle does find the prince and he's frozen and then he tells Grande, oh yeah, I killed him, it's fine, he's dead, he ain't coming back alive. <laughs> um, the jitterbugs find the prince, they dethaw him. Yep. And um, <laughs> they dethaw him. And then they, um, he goes off to save the Molina. Meanwhile, Mrs. Fieldmouse, <laughs> a lot of meanwhile. Yes. Um, like the third or fourth meanwhile. <laughs> so the Molina is with Mrs. Fieldmouse. She sings a song about how she should. Well, first she says, oh, my friend, the mole would love you. I love um, stories. Thank you for telling me stories. Tell the mole a story. Oh, and she, but she delivers something news about Cornelius. Oh, and also tells her, hey, your prince is dead. Forget about him. <laughs> and so nonchalantly. Yes, and Thumbelina's crying. She's like, no, no. It's all good, girl. You can just marry the mole. Get that money. <laughs> <laughs> and so. Like, this field mouse is a freaking sociopath. Man, she is. No, nah, she was about that cash. No. I understand. <laughs> like, the inside, like, part of me was like, did she run across run across like Thumbelina in the snow and go ooh money like, like is that what she did a part of me feels like that too though was, but, well I don't know because like when she tells Thumbelina to marry the mole she doesn't know that she's gonna get money from him yeah in the beginning she doesn't yeah she doesn't know that she's really telling Thumbelina she's at that point it's more like her her motivation is telling Thumbelina hey girl Get that cash. I wish I could get that cash, but I'm too old for him, clearly, because, you know, he's into those younger girls. <laughs> you get that money. <laughs> but, um, and then that's when, you know, Samson and Delilah and the Romeo and Juliet comes back up, and she's like, you know what these stories got in common with Romeo and Juliet? They're dead, girl. <laughs> like, stop marrying for love, marry for money. <laughs> oh, my God. They're dead. Dead. Very, very dead. <laughs> so complex. So, which, like, nah, I can't really get behind that as much as I joke. <laughs> it's pretty terrible. It oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Um, and then, so she takes Thumbelina, and Thumbelina sings her Once There Was the Sun song, <laughs> a.k.a. my I Hate Winter song. <laughs> and then... The mole says, oh, let me show you my collection of dead animals. <laughs> <laughs> like a fucking sociopath. Yep. <laughs> like, I am in the home of a serial killer. Basically. <laughs> Seriously. He don't even love Thumbelina. He's just like, I just want a wife to be my maid. <laughs> and sing to me. Tell me stories. Yeah, sing me to sleep and clean up my house. Mm-hmm. And so... He takes her down there, and then he goes, look what I most recently acquired. And it's Giacomo, and he basically is laying there, and she, um, they think he's dead. And so... Um, the mole's so proud. Mm. Yeah, the mole is so proud of his new acquisition. <laughs> and he's just going to leave in a tunnel. Yep. But his hall of treasures. <laughs> I keep been wondering, like, if Giacomo was actually dead, what would the would the mole have just left him there? Yep. Or would he have like he eventually taken the body him or something and like stuffed it or something? Yeah. Like, ugh, so hmm. creepy. Probably would have taxidermied him. Mm-hmm. Um. 
But yeah. I have a lot of questions about this mole. I do too. <laughs> mole is like. Also, why is he so small and poor dude? I think he just. Because uh, he's a mole. Because, you know, moles are attracted to, like, shiny oh. things. Are they? Yeah. I, I did not that. know that. Really? Mm-hmm. Huh. I guess it's because they can't see that much, though. So. Yeah. They can oh. see shiny things, though. They can see shiny things. I see. Oh, now okay. I understand Nifflers way more. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, so his whole thing is he only goes upstairs for the shiny stuff and then comes down with his treasures and Mm -hmm. he hates the sun. Mm. Um, And then she, over time, stays with Mrs. Fieldmouse. She loses all sense of her, like, of her dreams and hopes and then um, decides to marry the mole. Mm -hmm. And then also nurses Giacomo back to health. Mm-hmm. And then Giacomo flies off. Mm-hmm. Then and he's the like, I was going to find the plants. Yep. Like, why true. don't you take me home? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> why don't you take Jesus. me home? <laughs> okay. So, oh, man. So Funny. quickly, the um, differences between the original story and this mm-hmm. part. Mm-hmm. Um, so in the original, she gets saved by the... Um, by fish and then um, winter comes and then she's so cold and all the fish and all the um, all the birds and all the bugs go away because winter's coming and then she can't go away so she's just stuck there by herself and she's cold and then she does actually get taken in by a field mouse who also actually does basically Tell her, hey, you should just marry the mole and stop trying to marry this prince. Your prince is dead. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that actually happens. Mm. Now, the difference is that this is the real part where she meets Giacomo. Mm. And Giacomo's name is not Giacomo in the original. He doesn't have a name. Wait, 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 wait. wait. Okay. In the original, at this point, has she met the prince? Nope. Mm -mm. Okay. She has not met the prince. She's only, this is the first time she's meeting the bird. Okay. And she does actually nurse the bird back to health um, because everybody else thinks he's dead and she's the only one who realizes that he's not. So she feels really bad for him. And at this point in the story, she's just been like surrounded by a bunch of dead animals because Mm. she also while she's on the lily pad Mm -hmm. um she a beautiful butterfly flies down and she's so happy to just have somebody else near her that she takes her sash off ties it to the butterfly and then ties the butterfly to the lily pad Mm -hmm. and then the butterfly starts flying off and is dragging her too fast and that's why she needed to be saved Mm -hmm. and then um the beetle swoops down and sees her and thinks she's so pretty so i'm gonna just swoop down and take her Mm -hmm. and he takes her and the butterfly's still attached to the pad and so she's crying because she realizes that she tied this butterfly to a lily pad and it's probably dead how sad! Yeah, that was the part that broke me. I was just like, <gasps> yeah. oh no! You're wanted for manslaughter. <laughs> I just so wanted you to be my like, friend. So she's killed a butterfly, and she's like all sorts of distraught over oh that. Oh my goodness! She gets taken to the cave of dead animals. She's like surrounded by death. And then she finds this bird who is also dead. And here's this guy who's like, hey, look at my acquisitions. Look at my treasure that I found. And then she's just like, 
all kinds of hurt. Mm. And then she realizes that he's actually not dead. And they even explain it in the story that um, the birds fly off for winter, but some of them get stuck in the winter mm. and then they just fall to the ground cold and they get covered oh. by snow, but they don't actually die. Mm. And I was ah. like, that was interesting. That's interesting. <laughs> So then she warms him back up and when spring and she he tries to fly out in winter again and she says, No, stay, you know, like keep warm and then you can go in the spring. Mm-hmm. And then when it spring comes, he goes and he actually asks Lemelina to come with him. And in the story she's so broken that she says, you know, I may as well marry the mole, but there's no chance of me ever making it home again. I'll never see my mother. You know, of course, she hasn't even seen the fairy prince. She doesn't know that fairies exist. Mm. So she's just like, I I may as well stay here. This is my home now. And also, I, Mrs. Fieldmouse would be so sad if I just left like this. Oh. So, wow. yeah. And he's oh. like, you don't love the mole and she's like no I don't but not everything's about love it's right so <laughs> it's so sad <laughs> it is so sad oh my god and it's like some of these I mean this part is sad yeah and, even and in the even dark. in the movie it's mm-hmm. dark and sad but like in the original story there's some nuances that like yeah, that got lost yeah, yeah. And so, you know, mm-hmm. hmm. the bird is like, okay, if you really want to stay here. He asks her twice. Mm-hmm. And then she says no twice and she leaves. Oh, the complete opposite of what happened in the yeah, movie. Yeah, in the movie, Giacomo yeah. is fucking useless. Like, he, he is, is not listening to her. He just flies all like, I'm going to find the yeah, by the end of the movie, I have to say, Giacomo did at yes. least try to find the veil of the fairies yeah. the whole time. <laughs> He's useless. He's terrible at it. But he tried something. He got a mission, and he completed it. Yeah, he was he was a one-track mind kind yeah. of dude. Yeah. <laughs> mm. uh, did we want to stop at this point? Or? Uh, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I... Uh, watching it as an adult, I didn't realize how sad this part was because, like, she learned that Cornelius was dead, and then she, like, all her hopes just, like, all right, I'll just marry them all, I guess. And, like, she's about to go through, <laughs> which I thought was like, oh, so sad. Yeah, it's funny because it was like, it's sad. But it doesn't make me like want to cry. But but the original story, the original like story, sad. definitely made me want to cry. And I'm reading it as it's coming up to this part, so I'm like super emotional. And then this is going on, and I'm reading the book. And I'm just like, oh my god, <laughs> this poor girl. <laughs> but yeah, uh, did you say that um, people have problem with Mrs. Fieldmouse's? Which song did you say that people no, didn't like? Um, it was people... Marry the Mole. Ma- yeah, it was. It was Marry the Mole. It was Miss <laughs> I'm So Sorry. No, Marry the Mole actually got a... It was Mrs. Fieldmouse's song. One of, it got a Razzie. A Razzie for worse original song. <laughs> so yeah. what, what's a Razzie? So the Razzies are a um, <laughs> award ceremony where they actually award like the worst of oh, things. Oh, no! So this is like... The worst movie of the year and oh, the worst goodness. actor of the year. Um, uh, notable people who have won Razzies, Kristen Stewart. Um, 
which is really unfair because she can actually act when she's given a good script. Mm-hmm. Is it? She can. I've actually seen good movies with her. I've also seen movies that could have been good that were not good with her. Yes. <laughs> but, sure. um, oh, goodness. Let's see. Oh, uh, what's that? Um, Juniper Rising? One or Azzy? Oh, uh, Jupiter Rising. Jupiter Rising. Uh, yeah. Um, so okay. you get the All point. Right. It's, it's so bad things it, get awards. That song won the Razzie Award yeah. that year. It was or, no, it was um, it was post mortem. Oh, okay. Because I think the Razzies didn't start until YouTube. Oh, I see. No, they've started for quite a long time. The really? Razzies have been around. Actually, um, if I was what I was reading was correct, Thumbelina was the first animated movie nominated for a Razzie. Um, really? Yeah. People really think that was like it was either that it bad? was nominated or it was they they created an animated. Yeah, section. you're right. It was uh, first created March 31st, 1981. Mm-hmm. Was the what? first Razzie. It's first Razzie. So it's like it started out. From what I remember, it started out as a joke, and then people were like, "We should keep doing this." And then now some people actually put it on their like resumes and stuff. I want a Razzie, and like. Some folks who have no idea what that means are like, oh, that's so impressive. <laughs> <laughs> prestigious. How prestigious. That's funny. Yeah. So another interesting thing I found out was that, just going back to the original story of, uh, or that you were talking about, the was Thumbelina's original name from this, the actual story in Danish. It's uh, Tamalis. Yeah, but oh. it means Thumbelina. Yeah, it does mean Thumbelina. It's just I thought the, the Tamalis is such a neat name. Yeah. Like, Which is funny because wait till you t- I tell you about what happens in the end of their original. Oh, <laughs> oh goodness. No. <laughs> oh no. Um, one of the things that I was noticing in this sec- set segment was like the backgrounds in this in the the moles <gasps> area. Oh. They were, they were so gorgeous, but I was also kind of, like, really impressed with how they managed to keep her sizing consistent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because there's points where I was looking at, like, um, there was, like, little coins and stuff around her. And I was mm-hmm. like, okay, she's standing on a coin, and it looks like that's the size that she needs to be. Mm-hmm. And um, even when she was coming out of the, the thing, but anyway, it's Yeah, it's I really, really well enjoyed done. the background uh, sets for the the moles place because like there's all kinds of interesting things yeah um we haven't gotten to the wedding but like in the wedding like i never noticed this as a kid but she's walking across a sword the blade of a sword yeah the aisle of the wedding i was like that's that's poignant right that's interesting and then like there's a part where um the ground is like a violin or Mm -hmm. like a cello or something um yeah i i always love like and even like during Mrs. Field Mouse's um, song, like there's all kinds of like little things around. Yeah, like a thimble. Mm-hmm. And then the little pin cushion that mm-hmm. she gets mm-hmm. into. Um, I thought, I always I like, love that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love like how creative they were with like all the small little trinkets and mm-hmm. stuff, which I think mm-hmm. is. Um, I mean, I mean, I guess they do that in Disney too, but I think Don Bluth especially, like I notice him being very creative. Like, he, yeah, he really likes mm-hmm. to like let people, like okay, one of the things I've just at like realized in general is that they really, he really loves letting actors or animating within his films the characters interacting with 
objects, objects in really unique ways. Mm-hmm. Or mm-hmm. like, I mean, the way that the way that Thumbelina is constantly playing with her dress. Yes. Like she's constantly playing with it, and it's yeah. it, it reminded me of like a three year old the way she's just like mm-hmm. swishing it around and pulling it up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's no, that's really a good cute. observation because I I noticed that in this watching too, like when the mother is like trying to tell her a story or trying to explain something in the mm-hmm. story, we see like I just had my eyes on Thumbelina and she's just constantly twirling around like mm-hmm. a kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then she's also got uh, she's also using her hands like a lot. Like there's actually a moment when she's talking to Cornelius and they're like trying to calm down Hero so yeah. Hero's not gonna wrench like she's doing she's doing the thing that you do where you like spin your wrist as you're trying yeah. to bring a thought forward and it's like it's like, good animation it's good animation and it's really expressive and it's really frustrating to me that um, that's why like I uh, it's sad I mean I understand the business reason for it but like rigged animation like yeah. you lose that completely yeah. Uh, and for people who don't know what rigging is, basically, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, <laughs> uh, like puppet, puppetry mm-hmm. almost, like you're building out uh, certain movements, but it's not like freely, like, yeah, like animating, mm-hmm. like with pencil and paper. Yeah, it's um, what you're basically doing is everybody probably remembers in like kindergarten or first grade where you made like the the gingerbread men or the toy uh-huh. soldier or yeah. whatever and you had like the little pins you cut out all the pieces of the body and then at the joints you put those little uh pins that lay the flat paper. Mm-hmm. through the paper and it's the same kind of deal except you can interchange out what those parts are yeah and that's what rigged system or puppet animation uses 3d is unique in that you do rig your anim your uh your animated um character but because it's a th- in 3d space you're not drawing every single angle mm-hmm. so you can add that's why 3d versus like 3d rigs versus 2d rigs seem to have a lot more around them because it's like you don't have to draw out all those frames yeah, and, and like angles sense. so it's really really interesting mm-hmm. that way mm-hmm. um but yes but yeah i do miss um like all those little little bits of animation that yeah. you can't get with rig animation. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. I'm trying to look at anything else. Uh, have we talked about the Beatles? We talked about the Beatles' wings getting taken off. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, okay. <laughs> Which was gruesome. <laughs> it's really gruesome. <laughs> It, was, it, yeah, it's it just so happened exciting. so quick. Yeah, it's very quick. Oh, so here's something interesting. Um, this was the first film by Don Bluth to be shot in widescreen, which is why we've got all those nice backgrounds that oh, are really, cool. really, really big. Okay, gorgeous. interesting. Um, and the one thing I wanted to mention about Mr. Mole, he is like every nerd neck beard I've ever <laughs> Like, my opinions matter, and that they're the only ones that matter. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, like oh, he, he's he infuriated me as a child, and, and it just brought back watching this again. I was just brought back how much it infuriated. He was the proto neckbeard, which is funny because you call him a neckbeard, and in my brain he was definitely like the quintessential like old man who like thinks he's so wise and he knows everything. Mm. And he's gonna teach this young girl how like life is actually supposed to be. And like, I think there's he's like kind a of lot. a lecherous old man. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Like, I think there's a lot overlap between what y'all say. Yeah. yeah. I I honestly didn't understand 
like why for me even as a child I was like why is he wanting Thumbelina when obviously there's more I think it was friendship more between of a, the field mouse and the mole like it was more of a I want a young wife who's going to clean up and cook behind me this was something that was in the in this the original story it was like yes i'll have a young wife who will be able to like tell me stories all the time and she'll be able to cook and clean and it was definitely like a very 40s idea it's kind Mm -hmm. of very hello dolly maybe like like, maybe like the singing was a part of it too like because they made such a big deal about her singing voice they did make a big deal of her singing in the movie like in yeah. the in the story she doesn't sing yeah um but it's <laughs> I, I think it's honestly a huge like well first it's directly barred from the story at this point mm-hmm. that like the mole is exactly the same in the story he's okay. basically just like mm-hmm. I want a young wife who's going to do these things for me and Mrs. Fieldmouse is an older lady and yeah. she's supposed to be like oh, this okay. older best friend over here Oh, okay. which plays into what I was saying about like her being like I wish I could marry the mole yeah. she did say that oh okay okay yeah, yeah. yeah. gotcha but, gotcha gotcha okay that's that's interesting. They even like in the original story they even teach her how to clean. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. And it's like it very much so that led is into like, like I guess this is my life now. <laughs> basically. That's exactly like oh, no. in this story she's so broken. Yeah. <laughs> oh no. Super sad face. Uh. She needs some vitamin D and they just aren't providing it. No. Nope. On multiple <laughs> Um, so do we want to move on to the next part or what happens next? Yeah, what happens Um, next, Okay, so next is the big climax. So, you know, the prince is going after Thumbelina and he's trying to rescue her, which this is another reason why I loved Cornelius so much. (laughs) Uh Because like he's so awesome. He's so brave. He's so brave. <laughs> I'll get into it. You know what? Cornelius <laughs> is my favorite now. Okay, <laughs> Fuck Eric. Now. <laughs> I mean, he does do a lot more than Eric. He does a lot more than Eric. He's actually present for a good deal of the movie. He is. Know, he is. He's he present. Is. He's actually trying. He's he does down. a lot better than Giacomo does. Yeah. He's constantly looking for her. He ain't afraid of fighting nobody. <laughs> nature? Like, he's just or like, nature. Like, he there. is like, I will die looking for this girl. Mm-hmm. And that is why I stand Cornelius. That's <laughs> 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 why I stand and so um, Cornelius is off he's trying to save Thumbelina Thumbelina is getting married to the mole this is the big marriage scene Um, so like Havana was talking about they're walking down the aisle on a sword and it's so interesting Mm -hmm. and maybe a little foreshadowing for the fact that like all these guys are about to tussle behind her and um, she decides on the sword you know what am I doing I don't want to marry the mole I love the sun I need to see the sun like mm-hmm. I can't live mm-hmm. underground for the rest of my life mm-hmm. so she's just like screw this she runs out the mole and Mrs. Fieldmouse are like what is going on come back and they're chasing after her then um Beetle Bard or Beetle Bard, I keep wanting to call Beetle Bard. Beetle Bard. <laughs> like the Mr. Beetle 
And um, <laughs> Green, not Gringo, uh, Grande, Grande. <laughs> not his Boston. brother. So, and they're chasing after Thumbelina. Cornelius busts in, and he's like fighting Grande, and um, which Grande is like twice his size upward and like five times his size. Oh my god! Been with. And um, meanwhile, all these people are going crazy behind her she sees uh she runs into some cobweb and she takes it off she sees the sun and she's like the sun oh my gosh and then she saves herself yes she actually saves herself Mm -hmm. and then she runs out um then Giacomo comes back at like the last moment when he's not even needed anymore mm-hmm. and he's like I found the veil of the fairies and she's like okay whatever I don't care just take me somewhere else and <laughs> so he takes her to the veil he makes her sing her her voice is apparently magical and then it makes spring come and all the um, you know ice, there's icicles all over and they're breaking and flowers are blooming and then She's um, singing the, you know, let me be your wings. And then Cornelius busts in behind her and he starts singing. Mm -hmm. And we get our happy ending where, like, they get married. Her mom's there and she's so happy to see her daughter married, even though she's only had a daughter for, like, a month. (laughs) And And she gets her her wings. Oh, and, yeah, well, I haven't gotten to that. (laughs) Yeah, and, um, you know, the... Prince's mom and everything are there and then they kiss and Thumbelina gets wings and then now she has her own wings and apparently she was a fairy the whole time (laughs) and we have this like really you know might be cute might be kind of stereotypical shot of them kissing in the giant round moon behind them Mm -hmm. and the end and the storybook closes and Giacomo is singing and flying off yep Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that wedding dress Oh goodness! That it hair. I hated it. The hair was like the hair was the worst. I didn't even hate the wedding dress. I hated the hair. The hair was awful. Like what on earth? Yeah, the hair, the dress, just all of it. The the veil always annoyed me. Mm-hmm. Like it was just oh. Yeah, like it's awful. So like, like for those of you who are too lazy to look this up, <laughs> she has these like piggy tails but they stick straight up and straight out like antennae and like little tufts at the end it's it's awful it's the most unattractive look (laughs) yeah it is literally the worst (laughs) but But one thing i do like about this scene is like i mean thumbelina doesn't know that cornelius is alive that he's even in the same building and i i love that she you know when she says no at the altar it's because she realizes she mm-hmm. doesn't want to live underground forever she doesn't want to live uh you know be with the mole and i actually like that uh she like they kind of gave her that agency mm-hmm. after being kidnapped and like forced to sing and like thrown yeah. around and stuff and so uh i you know, reading or watching it again, I was like, oh, I that's pretty say, cool, actually. This is one of the fixes that they did for oh, the original. Oh, did they? Oh. So the original, so like I was saying, Giacomo, mm-hmm. she never met before. Giacomo is much more competent in the uh-huh. story. Giacomo, well, 
Mr. Bird, because he doesn't have a name in the story, Mm -hmm. he flies in for this wedding, and he actually convinces her to go off with him this time. He's like, and he's also the only animal in the story that's not trying to marry her. Mm -hmm. He like, um, he says, you know, do you really want to marry this guy? Like, come with me. And she finally says, you know what? You're right. I don't want to marry this guy. I'll come with you. And then they leave yeah and they leave them all at the altar which is funny because previously she was like no 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 i'm gonna stay i couldn't break mrs fieldmouse's heart but like at the moment in which it'd be the worst time <laughs> she, like, oh, actually she says you know what you're right let's you're right. let's go mr bird thank you and then he does take here. her off and he wow. brings her to um this flower patch and it's spring actually in the original story oh so it's already and then yeah and Uh. for some reason this bird is also mr magical bird guy and says um you know go to the flower you love the most and um and touch it and you'll get all that you desire and so she goes to this flower that looks like the one that she came from Mm -hmm. and then um she gets up on the pedal and she's shocked to find this guy that's the same size as her but with this little crown on his head Mm. and um he turns out he's not actually a fairy in the story he's a uh he's a flower spirit and he's translucent what yeah it's weird and so um he wakes up and then um she's like you're like me they fall in love and then they get married just like you know yeah in in the end of the movie that is so bizarre it is weird (laughs) (laughs) that ending is weird it is so weird oh unnecessary you know what it's, it's a little bit more than that. Like, there's points throughout the original story where, like, like when the beetle comes and they make a point so that a child knows that Thumbelina is gorgeous. The beetle knows Thumbelina is gorgeous. Uh-huh. The beetle takes her up there. All the ladybugs are calling her ugly. So the beetle says, you know what? You're ugly. I don't want you. Discards you, even though he knows she's gorgeous. Also, but yeah. like it's kind of like all along the way they're trying to teach kids lessons, like don't follow others, like believe in whatever you believe in. The and then so that's why the beetle does that. Oh, in the movie. okay, mm. gotcha. So at this point, when she meets the fairy prince, he's like, "You're so beautiful. You're the most gorgeous woman in the world, and you, you should." Uh, and this is where her name comes into play. Uh-huh. He goes, "Thumbelina or Thomalise, um, Thomalise. This is a terrible name for such a beautiful woman." <laughs> You deserve <laughs> you deserve a name that befits you, so I'm renaming you Maya. Oh, Maya? Interesting. Yes. That <laughs> is so bizarre. So he renames her and then marries her. That's hilarious. And the entire He names her. He names her. <laughs> like oh, He renames okay. her. And she's just like, okay. <laughs> but, <laughs> Wow. Yeah. Interesting. (laughs) 
So very interesting. Yeah, and I I do like that she does save herself. Yeah, I would agree that those are some pretty major fixes to the original story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do like that Cornelius is a much bigger part than just popping up at the end in the middle of a flower. Yeah, yeah. It's like you might as well like not who are you? Why? That. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. And like, why is this guy naming me? Yeah. Right. It's just like part of the pattern of her just being like a drag rapper. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Actually, that's one of the things that I was writing. I think this I wrote in the middle of like, she was trying to talk to Giacomo when he was uh, in the film when he was like being nursed back. And it was like the whole time she was focused on what other people wanted. Yeah. And I was just like I'm so frustrated right now. Like, I don't, what, what, like, there's a point where in the, the film where she's like, why doesn't anybody ask what I think? Yeah, and I wrote I was, that down and I was like, girl, me too. Yeah, exactly. And <laughs> like, like, yeah. For women and girls, that's a very relatable thing. Oh, like, yeah. why doesn't anybody care what I want? Why is it always about these guys yeah. who are like trying to force me into all these different roles? Mm-hmm. And I think the point of the movie was trying to show like this girl is so focused on everybody else and what they care about. And in the end, she finally thinks, she sees. Okay, so in the original story, in the end, she sees the sun. Like, it's not even about some prince or anything. Like, yeah, she didn't even meet the prince that. at that point. Mm-hmm. She was like, it's the sun. I love the sun. I want to be with the sun. Like, I just want to be outside. Mm-hmm. And she says, like, screw this. I don't want to be here. Um... The bird is like, well, come with me. Then she's like, please take me with you. Mm-hmm. And then in the movie, she's like, she does the same thing. She's like, it's the sun. Yes. I don't care about all these people. Screw these people. I'm <laughs> going towards the sun. And she saves herself. Mm-hmm. And so the point is that she finally thought, what do I want? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And she just wants to go home. She yeah. just wants to go home. <laughs> <laughs> yes, she does. Awesome. Mm. And that is the end of the movie. It is. Do we want to jump into the rubric? Yes. All right. First, story. Oh, for anyone who had, like, this is the first episode uh, of the podcast, um, we have a rubric where we kind of grade the movie on story, cultural impact, animation art, music, and uh, basically does it hold up. So, first thing, a story. I, I think there were some fixes from the original, so I recommend people do read the original because there are definitely some good things about the original that yeah. were not quite translated as well in this movie, and it makes this movie better if you know them. Yeah. Um, but as far as story goes, the I mean, obviously, this the original that it was based on is so much older that, like, there are things that are not going to hold up as well Mm -hmm. but the story in this one they definitely made things make more sense along the way yeah but it still falls a little flat in places i would agree with that i mean overall like i thought for if you're kind of looking at it from a like simplistic point of view i thought Mm -hmm. the story was pretty good especially like since it's like one part Romance because she's like pining over this prince, but then also there is a point towards the end where she kind of has agency over herself, and there is a character arc for her mm-hmm. for Thumbelina, mm-hmm. which I like. 
obviously there are parts in the story where it's like, uh, you know, I. Uh, Oh, okay, let's let's grade it, like, separate from the original Fable. Oh, yeah, for like, sure, for sure. But, like, I still don't get why the Beatle, why, like, dismissed her, or, like, I, it, I guess, like, yeah, I, I'm trying to I guess. figure out how to explain, but, yeah, you're right in that some parts fell flat. Mm-hmm. But I'm to... There were a lot of parts where I was like, this is unnecessary. This yeah. is unnecessary. Yeah, I feel I like that's true. In this story, they could have made Giacomo more competent and gotten rid of the jitterbugs. Giacomo could have saved the prince. That's true. I did think the jitterbugs were superfluous. Yeah. Like, they're mm-hmm. cute, but they're unnecessary. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Lots of filler scenes. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think, Carrie? What do you think, Carrie? Um... I don't know. I guess for me, one of the things as far as the story goes is I feel like Thumbelina's arc is very focused on, like, it feels like it changes like that. Like, it's something that doesn't really feel quite earned to me because, you know, her, her, she changes her mind right at the altar. But that's like, basically the climax of the there's movie. There's nothing and there's forcing n- her there's to change. There's nothing, well, not only there's nothing what? forcing her to change, really, but it's like, there's no lead up to it. It's just, I'm sad. I'm sad. I'm sad. Mm. And then, I don't want to, I don't want to be here. Yeah. And then it's that, that way. And I mean, maybe, maybe I'm reading it too shallow, but it was one of the things that I was, and, and, and watching this, I was like, okay, this decision is made really fast. And there was no foreshadowing to say, you know, okay, well, maybe maybe I don't want this. It was just convince, 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 okay. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like um, as a kid, I kind of understood that. Like, for me, the Beatle part, like, I've always, even as a kid, I was like, oh, well, clearly he did that. And maybe this is, like, a cultural thing for me is that, like, a lot of, like, as a kid, a lot of people were all about, like following the herd yeah and so like if he saw everyone else respond badly to her like oh i hate her too yeah exactly. <laughs> yes i literally had that happen to me oh man and i've seen it happen and i've definitely like had it happen to me or have done it as a child yes because like it's like you either follow the herd or That's, you get okay. swallowed yeah, yeah. Okay. so um i def as a kid i could see why he was doing it and okay. I, I would have been like you know that's messed up mm-hmm. but at the same time like clearly he's doing this just because mm-hmm. you know he can't he can't be seen with somebody everybody else thinks is ugly that's true <laughs> pretty much yeah um yeah i guess like with the character arc seeming like yeah, I guess it does happen quickly, but it's also a very dire situation where she literally is about to marry him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it, it, you know, throughout the whole movie, there is this pattern of like, she's nothing, she doesn't choose any of this to happen. Things just happen to her. Yes. Yeah. She's being kidnapped, she's being dragged, she's being forced to sing, she's being forced to dance, she's being forced to yada, yada, yada. And I think like at the climax, maybe she realizes not only is she going to marry this guy, She's also never going to see the sun again because she's going to live underground. Mm-hmm. And so, like, to me, but 
then visually we do see like little flashes of Cornelius. Yeah. Um, and then it makes so. me confused because at that point, was it? Uh, did she run away because she loves Cornelius? But and, she thinks he's dead. And but she thinks he's dead. So then why does she say no? So maybe I thought maybe. it was more of a representation of the son. And yeah. Like, even though she's seeing Cornelius, it all, he also he himself re- represents. All her good moments and yeah. how she felt yeah. about being in the sun. Yeah. And I guess Cornelius kind of shows her the outside world. Like, there's more out there. And maybe it was representative. Okay, so here's yeah. I, where I think the fault... This is what it is okay. in my head. She's supposed to be in love with the sun. Like, she loves being outside. We don't really see that. Like, outside of the... the um, like we, don't? we We see her outside. But we don't see her basically worshipping the sun in the way that she, like, if she enjoys being outside and loves being outside, it's not really shown. She just is outside. I mean, I would say with her body language, you do see it because... Yeah, she doesn't literally she's out, say she's she loves dancing, it, she's, yeah. she's um, out there with the animals at the beginning, she's She's enjoying herself being outside with the animals. Like, she has a whole song where she's like, once there was a sun. I know. And but... she's, like, singing. Like, the if you close your eyes and listen to the song, the song is not even about Cornelius. It's about loving the sun and hating winter because the sun goes away. Yeah. So... I mean, I hear that. But at the same time, I don't feel like, you know, once there was the sun. Like, you don't really, in my head... It's like it doesn't really come across as as overt as so much as this is my daily life song mm. in the beginning. So it's like the the little, you know, I'm Thumbelina song, this is my daily life song, or the village song. Mm-hmm. It's like it showcases her being outside and all that sort of stuff, but it doesn't showcase her being... Wait, we never see her responding in... To the sun. Yeah. Like we or, have, or a lack of sun. Or a, in a lack of sun. I mean, she seems perfectly happy at night with her, her mother reading books or curling up in bed. Like, she doesn't seem like she's withholding or, or, or without because the sun is, isn't around. I feel like because she wasn't without, like, it has to be nighttime at some point. No, I hear you. But at the same time, it's just like something as simple as a line of saying, you know... I can't wait to see the sunrise tomorrow. Mm. Or something. Is that necessary? To me, it is. Because it's like, I'm not watching that film and getting the fact that this is about the sun. And maybe the point that that they're trying to make is that Cornelius is the sun for her. Maybe that's what they're trying to get at. Mm. But at no point have they connected those dots. Well, no, at this point, she still thinks that Cornelius is dead. I don't know. Or maybe, maybe like, okay. Maybe the arc is like, at first, her life is all about Cornelius. She just wants to be with Cornelius. Yeah. And now she, she thinks Cornelius is dead. At first, that kills her agency or, mm-hmm. like, sense of self, too. Because mm-hmm. she's like, I guess I'll just marry them all. Yeah. yeah and I then was... she decides, maybe it was that point where she decides, I don't need anybody. Like, I just want to be free. I don't, this is not something I want for myself. Yeah, yeah. that's basically what I was going to say yeah. is like, she comes to the conclusion that like, you know, yeah, I mean, because she's stuck underground and she's about to make this vow to this man who's going to keep her underground forever. Yeah. And she's like, oh, I just missed the sun. Like, I took it for granted type of thing. Mm-hmm. So. I can see that. Because mm-hmm. like, I think Dee is right in that 
she doesn't have to explicitly say, I love the sun, and have a whole song about the sun, but through her body language and how lively and animated she is, even when she's kidnapped, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. I think she's just a lively person. And now, like, winter, she's never experienced winter. Mm -hmm. And then she's also, like, being trapped in the ground. Mm -hmm. And now it's kind of, like, forcing her, like, no, you can't be as free mm -hmm. as you want for. Yeah. I also yeah. feel like the fact that they pair the scene of her singing about the sun, and it's close to when she gets married, mm -hmm. it's close enough for a child to, like, make the connection of, like, she loves the sun. She loves winter. I mean, summer. She loves, like, she's yeah. a summer child. And then going to, I'm going to marry the mole and be underground all the time. And he hates the sun. He's, like, the opposite of her. And he does say that. Mm -hmm. And um, they do make a point of that. It's, like, yeah. it's close enough for a child to make the connection. Yeah. Instead of saying way at the beginning, oh, I love the sun, and then forgetting about it until the end of the movie. A child's mm -hmm. not going to make that connection. Mm -hmm. That's good. I guess yeah. that's true. I don't know. For me, it, it it's just seems very ham-handed that... Yeah. Like, when I watched this as a kid, I didn't get that pit a bit at all. I mm -hmm. literally thought she missed Cornelius and she didn't want to marry anybody else, period. Mm -hmm. And that was it, and that was why she was running away. Because she was like, I don't want to marry you. I want to marry Cornelius, but he's dead, so screw everybody. I could also see that, which is not a terrible thing. Because yeah. still agency. Yeah. yeah. Still her choosing that for herself. Yeah. And I feel like I it like that. It doesn't even really me. have to be about the sun. Yeah. Yeah. I guess it's up to interpretation. In yeah. Definitely. I could definitely see it both ways. Like, even sure. though she literally is saying the sun, it could also metaphysically yeah. be like... <laughs> so, out of the five, how would you guys rate the story? Oh, okay. Before we say out of five, what I was going to say, actually, is I had less of a problem at the end than I did at the beginning to middle. Like, she doesn't know what she wants. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I agree with that. I agree wholeheartedly. <laughs> like, she's like, oh, I want to marry the prince. And then she's like, oh, I'm going to be famous. I'm so happy. Well, and then she wanted to be big. And then she yeah. wanted to be big. <laughs> literally. And then she was like... Oh, they love me. They really love me. And then she was like, oh, you're going to bring me up there? I'm going to sing in front of people? That's cool. And then they hate her. And she's like, oh, I'm ugly? Oh, I care about my looks suddenly. And yeah. <laughs> like, okay. Yeah. There were a lot of conflicting. Yeah. She don't know what Multiple. she wants. And then she finally settles on, oh, I hate winter. I'm cold. I hate this. <laughs> <laughs> Which was like the part I could relate to. <laughs> <laughs> but... Yeah. Okay, out of five, I'd give it a three and a half. I think a three and a half for me. Two and a half. Two and a half. Mm -hmm. Because of the points you made. I think for a lot of it, as far for me, just on the story wise, it's it's. Mm -hmm. I think All Dogs Go to Heaven by comparison. Mm -hmm. There, yeah. there's very little comparison between the two on, on story level. Yeah, yeah. No, I would agree that All Dogs Go to Heaven was stronger story wise, but mm -hmm. I don't think like. We we looked up the Rotten Tomatoes on this. Oh man, thirty three percent. I was like, yeah. I don't know. If I'm okay. Maybe I need to rewatch it. So after I watch it, like, okay, it's simplistic. It does fall flat. There are a lot of unnecessary scenes, but overall. I think I it was a good story. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think one of the things that we also have to remember is that this film was not meant 
for like eight to twelve year olds. This was meant for like this was- toddlers and up. Yeah. They said in the thing I was reading, it was like um, it would be good for kids between the ages of, well, not for 12-year-olds, but for the ages of 5 and 10. Yeah. Mm, Which, I guess so, yeah. But for me, it's like it seems like it was, especially with the jitterbugs around and the way that they would, like, explain things, it seemed like it was meant for a younger audience than, like, 8 to me. I feel like an eight-year-old would still get lessons out of this about like agency. No, I think they. I think an eight-year-old could enjoy it, but I think they were talking. (laughs) I think when they created the film, they were going for a younger audience, and this is one of the harder things about you know rating films for younger kids, like really younger kids, is that you. I've, I've actually had in the past a little context. I had to work with preschool age uh, creating and pitching and developing stuff for that age group. And you'd think, oh, ABCs, one, two, threes, making a show out of that should be simple as hell. And it's the worst. It's hard and it's difficult because you have to take in account, like, you know, kids at these ages are like, from like they're from, simple they're simple but at the same time they're they're growing up so fast their cognitive like you ability have to see mm-hmm. what the cognitive development exactly. is what's gonna hold their attention for a long period of time mm-hmm. it's gonna hold their attention for years to come exactly yeah. but some of these reasons are why i don't feel like it's for a preschool they're like i don't feel like a preschool will grasp the concept necessarily of like yeah. going with the herd yeah or yeah. like and i think because it is obviously geared more towards children Mm -hmm. i think the story even though it could be more nuanced Mm -hmm. that might be lost on kids which is why i do rate it higher yeah i might even rate it as a four just as okay children's fairy tale Mm -hmm. anime film yeah Um, Mm -hmm. yeah so now if they if they for sure were like oh this is for like preschoolers or like this would be a really complex really good comparatively story for a preschooler for what they put out for preschool. I mean, I guess. Uh, Like, for example, with um, my little brother, one Mm -hmm. of the class, I remember him complaining about this was his class in the first grade, they were learning about story structure. And I was like, oh, what are you, what are you guys learning about? And he was like, the girls, there's more girls in our class, so we had to choose Thumbelina because that's what they voted for. So they were actually comparing in first grade. In first grade. Preschool is like two grades under that. No, preschool can be anybody. Preschool, okay, when I say preschool, I mean. That's before kindergarten. It is before kindergarten and the educational aspect, but it's not for the entertainment aspect. Oh. Because there's so much overlap. And that's why it's hard, because there's so much overlap between the ages of like, or between the ages of preschool as we see it and first grade. Because, in, especially now, because they're actually taking a lot of, um, or at least this is how it's explained to me in doing the, the, the development world, is that you've got, like, so much overlap between these age groups, but this is the age groups that are going to be buying a lot of the stuff that you want uh, for, oh, for this stuff. So a lot of it is like, okay, how long can we keep them around? Like, My Little Pony... The series has a lot of nuance. It has a lot of complex plot structures. It has a lot of really kind of deep and dark themes when you look at the show. But then it's made for three-year-olds. Is it? Yes. 
Well, it's, intentionally, it's supposed to probably aim towards that group. But it's aiming a lot towards three-year-olds. Huh, because I, I, I guess age groups. stuff that I would have thought for preschool is more like Blue's Clues type shows. But we're like, thinking, Dee, you and I are thinking like four and under. And you're also thinking right. educational. You're not right. thinking entertainment. Weird. So entertainment and education is different and separate. But I guess, like, why would they make it that way in entertainment? Like, why would they say, well, this is preschool, but not actually for the ages that are in preschool? Or yeah, like, I think it's um, confusing terminology. That's confusing. It, it is confusing, and I think... It is, I will agree, it's very confusing, and it's one of the things that I had to learn when I was going, oh, developing it. I was like, okay, yeah. you're saying preschool, so are you saying preschool in, ed, in entertainment or in education? Preschool entertainment is My Little Pony, it's things like The Care Bears, it's things like Teen Titans Go. Those are made to be understood and entertaining. I thought Teen Titans Go was for the like 8 to 12 group. Mm-mm. It's oh. actually made for much younger like, right now, when we went to Kids Screen, for example, we found out that kids 8 and o- over aren't watching cartoons as much anymore. They're actually going on Netflix and watching Friends. Oh, huh. weird. And it's like they prefer live action now. Yeah. I could understand that, too, because I think as an 8-year-old, Friends was on TV. So. Yeah, I mean, I, I get that. But it's just like they're going on Netflix and watching it. And, like, even Netflix, the executives are there. They're like, we don't understand it. We, we don't get it. That's so... But, but like, 8-year-olds now, that's weird. Yeah, yeah it right? is weird. But uh, the thing is, is that... It's like, if I was 8 and I wanted to watch Three's Company. Right. <laughs> or something like... That's really or, random. I think I or did cheers. watch Three's Company or, as or an 8 girl. I did not like Cheers. Yeah. But I did like Three's Company as an 8 okay, let's all Let's all be real, though. If we were 8, we were probably enjoying, you know, Prince of Bel-Air. So... Yeah. When I was 8, I'm trying to think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Prince, Fresh Prince. Fresh Prince. I watched a lot of those, like... Well, okay. No, because... Made, like, early night comedy type shows but I also still watched kids type shows but I guess what's uh, interesting about the Friends thing is that Fresh Prince of Bel-Air is contemporary to our age when we were growing up that was the cool show Friends is done that was in the 90s why are kids now watching an old show Yeah, it's weird I think maybe it's because like they don't have too many of those kind of sitcoms on t- on TV anymore. That's true. It, um, sitcoms are a lot more serious nowadays. Like a lot TV is serious. Yeah. 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 Okay. So. Um, I guess that makes sense. Again, there's a lot more physical gags in Friends than there are now in sitcoms, from what I understand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A lot of sitcoms now are actually talking heads. So yeah, I get that. It's just, I guess for me. One of the things that I have to keep in mind is that when I'm wa- when I was watching this, is that I could tell this is supposed to be entertainment for much younger kids, yeah. and I it's going to be younger than we expect mm-hmm. because they're trying to cater to a wide variety. So, what is their baseline audience? What is their youngest audience? What are the people that they have to entertain mm-hmm. who are the youngest? Mm-hmm. Because they have to get it. It's actually one of the reasons I was okay. talking on Twitter uh, yesterday about. Um, a lot of people were talking about how there's that narrator that shows up in a lot of animated film trailers, and it's like, you know, this summer or whatever, uh-huh. and how they notice that it's in animated trailers a lot, and it's sort of like, what the fuck is going on? Is this really necessary? And I had oh, to sort of, the kids. I had to pipe up and say, not 
the majority of kids who are watching that either can't read yet or aren't able to read fast enough to understand what's going on. So those that is the target audience for them. So they need the narrator telling them. You gotta appeal to the the lowest not not well, lowest common but yeah. the youngest. Like youngest. you have to in, yeah. include them. No, that that makes sense. Hmm. Interesting. Today we learn. <laughs> All right. Let's move on to the second Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, cultural impact. So I mean obviously I think Don Bluth was trying to ride the princess wave. Because <laughs> uh, the princess formula is fucking successful. Yeah. I mean, when I listened to Inside the Disney Vault and kind of like, and I watched them in order. Mm-hmm. And so I got to like kind of learn the ups and downs of the Walt Disney Company. And it seems like every time they pop out a Disney or a princess movie, or every time they're in trouble, it's a princess movie that gets them back on track. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, Cinderella pulled them out of, you know, being broke as hell. Or, like, mm-hmm. even now, um, you know, it started with, uh, well, like, we had a long throng of crappy movies, like, oh, and Meet the Robinsons, <laughs> Meet the Robinsons, and, and, uh, Chicken Little, Home Chicken on the Little, Range. Yeah. And then, all of a sudden, Princess and the Frog. Oh, and then yeah. there was Tangled. And, and then, then there was Frozen. Yeah. Wait, Brave and then Frozen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then Brave. And like, I feel like... Well, Pixar was like already... Yeah. Pixar was definitely oh, on right. success train. But yeah. the Walt Disney Company was... Actually, that's not entirely true. Because right before Brave came The Good Dinosaur and that bombed. Oh yeah, that one sucked. That <laughs> bombed. And it bombed hard. <laughs> and Pixar was like, we need a princess. <laughs> <laughs> It's Brave. like the last resort. And the then Disney was like, shit, we need another princess. <laughs> they care. And then they were like, I got this idea. Why don't we make two, two. princesses? <laughs> so, so, yeah, so I, don't, I definitely don't blame Don Blue for trying to jump on that princess train. No, I don't blame him either. But, I mean, the other thing is that there there is so much... I think one of the reasons why princess films do so well is because they're based off of fairy tales that everybody knows. It's time tested. It's time tested. If you hear the word Thumbelina and you say that to a three-year-old, they're going to know what that is. That's true. I mean, I feel like they know what it is based on this movie, not based on the Hans Christian Andersen story. Well, I mean, they'll know it's a fairy tale. But before, yeah, now we know Mm. that's the movie. But before, like, for example, I was excited about Thumbelina coming out because I had read the Really? Yeah. Fairy tale. I, as a yeah. child, had no, no idea like, at all. I was never really, like, even read Thumbelina, never heard of her <laughs> outside of this movie. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know if maybe that's a, yeah. a hole in my childhood. <laughs> <laughs> like, I could tell you about a lot of different Grimm tales and a lot of Mother Goose tales. I, I mean, it's definitely one of the lesser... I mean, it is one of the lesser-known ones, but, I mean... I think I, I the think... only reason I even knew about Hans Christian Andersen was because of The Little Mermaid. Yeah. Okay, so I grew up on fairy tales, bar none. Like, that is what the closest thing I was able to read outside of, like, Bible stories. Yeah. So I had Bible stories, and I had, like, Hans Christian Andersen, uh, Grimm's Fairy Tales, and Mother Goose, and that's what I got. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. I devoured those stories because that's really all I had. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I feel like, you know, every three- to five-year-old will have a copy of a book, and it's just going to be a collection of fairy tales. And Thumbelina 
I guarantee you will be in every single one. Really? Yes. I never had Thumbelina in any of my books. And I had a lot of books. Maybe. I don't know. It's like every one that I had in Cotton that my little brother had, my niece has, they all have Thumbelina. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe that's just my experience. Yeah. But anyway, I think... um, Maybe that's a question for the audience. So, like, when you guys were growing up, what are the fairy tales that you knew about? Did you know about Thumbelina as a fairy tale? Or did you know about it just from the... uh, Primarily from the movie? Yeah. Hashtag... Hashtag fuck that bird. Hashtag not a Disney movie. Hashtag Jacquemus sucks. (laughs) Hashtag fucking birds. <laughs> fucking blue birds. <laughs> fucking blue birds. Um, and on cultural impact, I do like your point, Steve, about um, how like this movie is actually very oddly uh, an improvement on the original, original. Uh, fairy tale. Yeah. And making it more, like I guess, richer, like ha- giving her some sort of agency or like a character arc. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so I thought that was interesting. But, of course, the elephant in the room is those damn uh, frogs. Oh, yeah. Like, those toads. Damn, man. So, you were reading an article where they called out, like... They actually, yeah. even in 1994, when this movie came out, they called out the fact that it definitely plays on a negative Latino stereotype. And so, the fact that they were conscientious of this... Back then in pre woke times, yeah, pre <laughs> pre get woke, <laughs> pre get woke times, um, like says a lot that he actually thought yeah. that it would be okay and took this chance of like making these really awfully stereotyped stuff. Like I thought that Mrs. Toad was great. Like she would have been just fine. It would have been very interesting and could still be like this kind of Latino thing going on without it being negative until yeah. you get to her sons. Yeah, mm-hmm. and plus, like the son. Like, I mean, maybe this was uh, just how it was in the fairy tale, but like the toad is like the most aggressive pursuer. Yeah, and he we is. have that with um, we have that stereotype with men of color that mm-hmm. they're womanizers are going to pursue I mean, look at this movie and then listen to Trump's speech about how, like, Mexico's sending over right. their worst people, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And, like, how this kind of thing could easily feed into, like, somebody who's an adult now who watched this as a child and now has this negative stereotype oh, yeah. of Mexican people or even Latino people in general. Mm-hmm. No. That's true. Like, it's it's pretty bad. Yeah. Yeah. It was an interesting, like, I wonder what the thought process was behind the choice. I mean, if the frog, if the toad was the one who pursued her in the fairy tale, then that's interesting. But why did they make him a Latino, like, why did they put all these Latino stereotypes on that character Mm -hmm. specifically? Why did they put stereotypes in it? At all. Yeah, I agree. But I might have have an answer. It's because they might have signed What's-Her-Face, the actress. Jodie Benson? No. Oh, the mom. Uh, Yeah, Cha... Oh, Charo. Charo. Okay, so So, they might have signed Charo, and because she is so overtly that culture and that is her thing, they were like, well, we have to continue that idea. Like, they have to match her. They have to match her. That could be a reason, but that is not a fucking excuse. Were they they voiced by Latinx? 
Latinx people. Yep, they were. They all were. Wow. Oh, At least there's that. Yeah. <laughs> At least there's that. <laughs> but, I feel like it's a thing of like even if they like because they clearly were pushing to get people who were already established, even if they mm-hmm. were like minorly established. Yes. Jody Benson was Ariel. Yeah. Um. Yeah. You know, Chato is art was already a superstar in her own um, culture. Uh, Gilbert Gottfried, yeah, um, as the Beatle, as the Beatle, like already he he's a known voice and a like very specific and out yeah, there voice. Like, I mean, you it, the instant he showed up, I was like, Boisterous. oh, Iago, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So they're getting all these like Disney people in the first place, yes. and they're getting people who are known. John Hurt, um, like. He's he's literally knighted. He's Sir John Wait, Hurt. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what did he voice? Um, he was. Um, I think he was actually a hero, and which is weird. Because hero, it's horrible. The hero, <laughs> what a talk? horrible character. He's the one. Yeah, he's hero. a real waste. Real waste. Cornelius said he got a frog, and the his throat like bulged out like a frog. I was like. Uh, okay. <laughs> I actually thought it was a good piece of animation. It was. It was really bizarre. Very bizarre. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. I think as far as cultural impact as well, like, um, I do know that if you say Thumbelina to anybody... No, no, no. He was the mole. I'm sorry. Oh. He was not wasted. He was the mole. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Okay. But, um, I do think that if, um... You talk to anybody in our generation or anybody who loves animation in general, and you say, Hey, have you seen Thumbelina? They will respond with, Let me be your wing. Yeah. (laughs) Because that song is awesome. I mean, the music in this is like, Like, hella It's so good. Remind me who? Barry Manilow. Barry Barry Manilow. Actually, Damn. like did most of the music for this movie. However, that specific song was done by Danny. Ooh, I don't want to lie. It's Danny something. I'm so sorry. Is it but, a- um, but there is a rendition sung by Barry Manilow. There is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's probably like at the end credits and stuff. Oh, I know yeah. because it's on my Spotify list. <laughs> <laughs> Nerd. Oh yeah, girl. I sing this in the car on my way to work. <laughs> yeah, I sing it in the shower. I can't talk. <laughs> yeah, don't do me. But uh, on the topic of cultural impact, like it. Didn't make a lot of money. Mm-mm. It was that just marketing. Do we have any more information on that? Honestly, it's really hard to find a lot of information on that, and I'm kind of concerned about the next couple ones because they were such bombs. <laughs> they're uh, super esoteric. They're, they're, they're considered esoteric, and then it's hard to find history of them. Um, it was written. The song was written by Danny Kaye. It was produced, though, like the entire soundtrack was produced by Barry Manilow. Oh, gotcha. okay. wow. So, okay. Go you, Danny Kay. Yeah. Writing all those good lyrics. Good job. <laughs> they did because every song. I mean, almost every song is like super memorable. Mm-hmm. Even Mary the Mall, and that's like the worst one. It's the worst yeah. one. Like, it's like kind of weirdly fun. Yeah. Yeah. It's... Very, very dead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know he was tired that day. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay, dude. It's okay. Like you just got one more song, dude. <laughs> yeah. Which is like I feel like the words in a way they're awful things to say to a young girl, yes. but they're clever still. Yeah, they're so clever. It's a funny song. It is a funny. It's entertaining to watch. It's not the best 
but it's it's good. <laughs> All right, animation and art. I thought the animation was gorgeous. So good. The artwork was great. Mm-hmm. If there was one complaint I had, it's that I there were points when various characters would be talking and their lips weren't moving. So you can tell uh-huh. all the dialogue added after the fact. Issues with their faces. It yes. was like the the faces were like over animated. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And maybe it's the it's the um, in betweens that I had such a problem with because they would have like great facial expressions at parts mm-hmm. like when she's on the boat and yeah. we're talking about this and like her trying to learn how to dance and <laughs> she's just like oh and I'm looking at yes, like, Mrs. Toad shake her hips and like try to shake her hips and she looks oh, like she's struggling <laughs> she's like they have great facial yeah great keyframe facial expressions mm-hmm. The in-betweens are so weird, and the eyes change, like... Especially when they do, like, hyper close-ups. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, Although, man. like, I don't know, this is the part where we disagreed. So, like, mm. there's that, that shot where, um, right before Thumbelina goes to sleep, she's looking out the window and dreaming, and, like, you know, dreamily fawning, fawning over Cornelius, and it's all powdery. It's got that kind of, like, Da Vinci-looking, like... It's like very like um, painterly. Yeah, the painter like the edges were very foggy, kind of like how sitcoms yeah. have like the flashbacks. Yeah, no, yeah. I hear that. It's just for me, like I found it unsettling in comparison to like when they're hyper closed up like that, especially in that scene. And there's even moments where she's like singing, or or there's uh, when they're hyper fixated on her face, they're trying to push it as much as possible, which I get, but. They're also trying to keep to that human aspect, which makes it uncanny for me. Mm. Yeah. You can do that. Yeah. So, yeah. So, that was the part where we were like, yeah. We're like, no, we got opposite opinions, opposite opinions about this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, to me, the animation was great. I mean, I always feel like Don Bluth over animates his human faces. He does. <laughs> but yeah. I think, I wonder if it's because, like, he was, he specialized in animals for so long. Mm-hmm. And with animals, you kind of do have to over-animate their face because yeah. they actually don't have those expressions in real life. Mm-hmm. But then when you translate them to humans, it's fucking weird. Sometimes. You know what I feel like? I feel like he's concerned about keeping them human and then still also over-animating a little. So yeah. not, he's not over-animating enough because like, if you go back to like 101 Dalmatians, and the way that they animate faces in that is over, like Tex Avery exaggerated. Yeah. Oh, really? And it's okay. so like like the human characters though, or yeah. the dogs. Oh. No, the human characters, mm-hmm. like like um, Cruella Deville. Oh, and, yeah. I mean, you know, yeah. or um, even the more subtle things, like that moment where uh, where. It's uh, Roger, and he's sitting and he's waiting for the puppies to be born, and his eyes are just like shocked. Oh, yeah. And oh, it's yeah. just like he's like puffing the pipe, like like it's really well done. But it, they're also like exaggerating it, but it still works. And I feel like one of the, but but then the character designs are also fairly exaggerated as well, so they can get away with it. And I almost wonder oh, if that's one of the things why some people find um, rotoscope a flaw. Because mm-hmm. in those kind of movies, mm-hmm. they're not as much rotoscoped as they are in... Don- well, maybe they're rotoscoped, but they're like... When the animators in those movies are drawing over, they're drawing completely like... 
whatever care like that character and not as much trying to like keep to the motions of the actor as much as Don Bluth seems to be yeah Don Bluth definitely like you can tell every single time like Thumbelina moves he is using some kind of reference if not rotoscoping yeah and I don't necessarily think that's a bad bad thing I mean he makes it work because rotoscoping is just another form of animation it's just like it's a way of doing it quickly, efficiently, and a little bit cheaply, but also making it look good. Yeah, um, rotoscoping has definitely gotten like some bad um, vibes, though, within like people who are not as much in the animation industry. Like a lot of people look at Ralph Bakshi and go, "What the fuck?" Yeah, <laughs> there, there are definitely a lot of people out there who like will kind of hear of rotoscoping and then instantly be like that's not animation or like not real animation or whatever without knowing what goes really goes into it exactly um and i think that movies like this are probably the reason why people get that bad taste in their Mm. mouth about it because they don't realize that other movies that they love are also rotoscoped it's just i mean really if you want to talk about it rotoscoping rotoscoping is the mocap of 2d yeah. Like, if you want mocap and you see mocap, like, if you don't tweak, if an animator uh, takes mocap and they just leave it alone, it's going to look stiff, it's going to look flawed, it's not going to look right. Mm-hmm. So what has to happen is they have to take that footage and that model and that mocap and then tweak it. And I feel like that's what Don Bluth does when he's using rotoscoping, is mm-hmm. he's he's using it as a basis and then tweaking where it needs to be to give it that, that really fluid yeah. animation. I mean, that's feel. what they all do. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, the good ones, anyway. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's what you're supposed to do to, as an animator. You're supposed to. It's essentially just another reference for yeah. you. Just that's true. Um, okay. So yeah. So hashtag rotoscoping is still animation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we got a lot of hashtags for this. <laughs> All right. On the next thing, music. Obviously, 10 out of 10. <laughs> it's really good. It is really yeah. good. Even like the stupid... 10 out of like, 5. <laughs> even the stupid songs are awesome. Mm-hmm. I love Beetle Ball. I lo- like, it's fucking pointless, but I yeah. love it. <laughs> I love that scene. Like, um, There's no way you could not... Yeah. It, you couldn't not like that song. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And I, f- I feel like one of the things that's interesting, because you were mentioning that in the original story, they didn't talk about her voice at all, right? Nope. So when, jo- if I remember right, Jodie Benson, who played Ariel, mm-hmm. was signed on to do Thumbelina, I think almost within the year that A Little okay. Mermaid came, came out. Because they wanted to, they knew they wanted to do a princess story, and they were like, "She's our person." And because she has such an awesome voice, they were like, "We have to make it a musical." I honestly think at that point they were like, "We need to make a musical, yeah. not as much. We need to make a musical because it's Jodie Benson. We we need to make I a think musical, they, yeah, you're right. and we want the like." the most lovely voice and she fits the description of the character in the original yeah. story. No, she does, so yeah, I think like, it's, she does very well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And animation and voiceover, voice acting is not easy. It is really yeah. not easy work. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. to be able to emote that much. Yeah. Um, 
and and you know not have the physical set around you and to just be in a single room screaming into a, a radio not on a radio but a mic I mean it's, yeah. it's difficult <laughs> mm-hmm. and uh, I think Jody did a really good job and I think the film shines for her work here's a question what is your favorite song from the movie it's really hard because I do love the Beatle Paul um, also, I mean, I guess technically my favorite sh- song should be when she's singing about the sun and after she like thinks that Cornelius is dead. Because I felt like you had a moment, Dee. Yeah. <laughs> like, literally, you were having a moment. <laughs> well, that was also when I was reading, I was finishing the story. Uh, just... So I wasn't having a moment because of the movie. Gotcha. I was having a moment because I read this really sad story uh, about this girl who is trapped in this horrible situation gotcha. and they broke her. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. In the original, they absolutely broke this Aww. poor child. Poor Thumbelina. Like, I felt so bad for her yeah. in the original. Um, but, no, I wasn't having a moment because of that. But I also, like, literally, every winter, I hate the winter. I hate being cold. I do not <laughs> like being cold. I am... I am thankful for snow because it makes it a little less cold. (laughs) (laughs) This is where you and I completely differ because I love winter. I hate it. (laughs) (laughs) And every winter I sing this song at least once a day. (laughs) Then the winter came. Winter has killed everything. Like, I hate it. Yeah, I would say Beetle Ball, and then, um, of course, the song that she sings with Cornelius. I sing it all the time. But you know what? I even... I fucking hate that bird. <laughs> but I still, like, nothing is I know! Possible. Oh, my God. Like, I start off the movie singing. <laughs> You're a short dude. I love, like... I like... Even impersonating him because like that yeah, like, it's a fun super voice. fun, overly French, like just like bubbly voice, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I That'd love it. I love the sound of my voice. He's <laughs> 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 just so fun. Yeah, he is fun. Oh, he's your useless. favorite song. Even though he's useful. I mean useless. He is not useful. <laughs> not useful at all. The worst. Yeah. I, I'm going to have to be the basic bitch and say let me be your wings. Yeah. That's it's liter- a good one. That's it's literally the only great. one I remember completely. So You know, let me be your wings is kind of like... Um, uh no, uh no, a whole new world. Exactly. Yeah. Yes, that yeah. sequence is exactly like that. Yeah, it's like a whole new world. The context is like, also like that. Yeah. The context is like that too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And but I like "Let Me Be Your Wings" way more than I like a whole new world. Wow. Yes, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Like as a kid, I would I would fast forward through a whole new world because it was just like sappy and like it was like why is she even like why. <laughs> Religion. Yeah, I hated that song. I you hate it? I didn't like, hate it, but I was bored. I was wow. maybe that's what it was. Is I was bored, and everybody loved it so much that it made me hate uh, it because everybody wanted to sing. You're that. like, it ain't that great. It's yeah, it's just. But it, no, it, it, I there was a song any of us wanted to sing. It was like Prince Ali. Mm, like we were, yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I like. Um, no, I like um, when he's running away. One oh, jump, uh, one jump ahead. Yeah. 
I like that song. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, I I would say a whole new world is not the best song in Aladdin. Um, no, but not. I do like "Let Me Be Your Wings." Like, there's a lot more passion. Yes. there is that pushing through. Yes, I guess. yeah, is and I don't passionate. know if it's the lyrics or the voice or what is it. I think it's, it's a bit of both. I honestly think it's both because, like, oh, another reason why I love Cornelius, like the guy who voices him, <laughs> his voice is amazing yeah, it's he's beautiful great. it's great like it's it's perfectly on the mark you yeah. know and i love the lyrics with the lyric with the saturn's rings yeah. and the pumpkin yeah. turning oh yeah. man perfect <laughs> it's freaking yeah. perfect it's beautiful and then like and i have to sing with jody benson who yeah. like it's very hard to sing songs that she sings <laughs> <laughs> She hits those octaves. She and does. I'm just and like, she stays up there. She, she stays <laughs> up there. Is there, like, something beyond a soprano? Because I wonder if, like, I don't know. To me, it's like she can she can hit the soprano notes so perfectly. It almost feels like there should be another level. I feel like people like to say high soprano, oh, but okay. it's not really a thing. You're just mm, a soprano. That's fair. And some people can sing a high C, and some people can't. <laughs> Remind me, is the high C harder to sing or the F? G is the hardest. G, okay, okay. And I think G is um, the, you know, the Mariah Carey whistle note. Oh, jeez. Oh, okay. Yeah. Wow. G is how you break your voice. <laughs> I don't know how she did that and not break her voice. It's actually a trick. Really? Yeah. It's we will a, have to talk about We'll that. talk about this some other time. <laughs> anyway, music, absolutely 100 out of 5. <laughs> out of five. It keeps going up. Yeah. 100 out of 5. It's absolutely. really, really good. Even despite Mary the Mole, it's I still love, good. I could honestly, like, even though I'm saying, like, the sun part is probably my favorite song, like, the Let Me Be Your Wings is so great that I could probably keep talking about it forever. I, yeah, you and I, I feel like, especially being, like, choral girls, you and I could just, like, sit here and talk about the complexities of it and all that yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah, like, even for, like, even story aspect-wise, like, something about musicals that, like, the reason I love certain musicals and I don't love certain musicals is I feel like your songs should also further the plot. Yes. And, like, Mm -hmm. in this movie, there was, I had to actually step back and say, a lot of these songs are so great. But they don't further the plot no, at all. The only anything. necessary song was really the Toad song. It actually furthers the plot and tells you why the Toads are here and yeah. what their ambition is and mm-hmm. all of that. Okay, so here's a question. If there was a point in the film that you think could have used a song, mm. what would it be? Is there a point in the movie that doesn't have a song? Yeah, there's no, so no, no. Many like, a, like, a, if you could take a plot point that was given that wasn't in a song, mm. like, what plot point would that be? In a different movie, or in no, this movie? in this movie, in this movie, and turn it into a song. I'm trying to think. Um, I mean, honestly, I feel like any point could be a song if it actually furthered the plot. Like, for instance, um, I mean, they do kind of have her sing a little when she meets the Beatle, mm. and it does further the plot. Mm. Or, like, mm. there could have been a villain song. 
could have been done they with Grande or something. Mm-hmm. Or maybe or it could have been a Cornelius song. Or a Cornelius song. A Cornelius song when he's searching for her. Yeah, like searching really? for her, but also like it could have also talked about... Um, you know the pressure from his parents. Like what? What's, yeah, what's that, that furthered? Like what's, and, and what's the all that? Like yeah. why is it? Why can't this, the frost be held back? It could Things explain like the that. frost. It could explain, and and also it would make the whole romance a little more robust. It's yeah. not just oh, prince is saving. Oh the girl. man! And then you could have like a yeah. reprise when he's looking for her and he gets caught in the ice. Oh mm-hmm. yeah! Oh, I've been so good. sad. And, like the been. beast in the music. The. Oh. So you know how it was like Prince Eric is great? Yeah. What I would want is you take Cornelius <laughs> and give him Prince Eric hair though. Yeah. But oh yeah, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, that, and then uh... put him on a boat. <laughs> And he still have like the personality and the like the bravery of Cornelius. I love it. Yeah. It'd be perfect. It'd be perfect. <laughs> that would be my perfect prince. Gotcha. 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 Just put Cornelius on a boat. <laughs> Make him a pirate. <laughs> Make him a pirate. Oh my gosh. And then like I'd be a mermaid and Cornelius would be a pirate. Are we Not writing like... fan fiction right now? Look <laughs> <laughs> <Like> a D. <laughs> Because you were talking about pirates and stuff, and earlier we were talking about Peter Pan. I'm like, wait a second. There was a fairy pirate thing uh, that Disney did with the Disney fairies. Mm-hmm. And then I thought... The Tinkerbell series? The Tink- Tinkerbell series. Captain oh. Hook is in it. Voiced by um, Neil Patrick Harrison, and he sings. Whoa! Oh, yeah. Neil Patrick Harris is great he's, all around. I love that man. He's really good. But, I mean, the film is... <laughs> the film is eh. But... <laughs> Yeah, I also stand Neil Patrick Harris just as a person living in the I world. I mean, he's just an awesome person. <laughs> so another little interesting fact, though, is that Disney now owns the rights to Thumbelina. Yep. As of March 20th, 2019. Because of Fox. Yep. Ten days before Fox the 25th anniversary. Whoa. Wow. Yeah. Which is actually really sad if you mm-hmm. come to the like if you think about it that Don Bluth tried to escape yeah. Disney yeah. this all started like we would not be talking about Don Bluth if it weren't for the fact that he was trying to get away with Disney with the um, what were they called the um, the Disney defectors the Disney defectors yeah. like and to fa- the fact that his movie his princess is now Aww. basically becoming a Disney princess and princesses is yeah. owned by the the very company that scared him away and that will probably be buried. Yeah, uh, or I'm concerned that they're going to be buried. I don't think so because like I, I think that's everybody's thought every single time Disney acquires something new. That's that true. was the thought yeah, about but Marvel. It's personal with Blues. True. It's still? personal, but I don't. But is I don't still? think it's still. Some personal. of the old heads that are still there don't want to. Don't want to talk to him. Don't want to hear his name. But they, I don't. They want to even talk about his movie. They're not the people in charge anymore. Look at how much has changed since. Yeah, like, that's true. That's true. Yeah. yeah, I would think so. Yeah, I honestly think that the people in charge of Disney are so 
different now that like a lot of people have this idea that Disney's going to get in and they're going to bury all these other things because that's what other yeah. companies usually do. And that's what older um, older Disney older Disney would have probably done. They like they basically buried MGM. Yeah. Um, I mean, they didn't buy MGM, but they essentially were like in competition with MGM. They trapped them in a um, they trapped them in a contract that was like so expensive. Mm -hmm. And then they up and said, you know what? You're not worth it. And MGM by this time didn't have anything good to their name beyond that. And like they didn't even have the advertisement of Disney anymore. Mm. Yeah. And I think, um, like, with Disney, I mean, what they've done with Marvel, Star Wars, it does give me optimism. Yeah. Because, like, they've really elevated and given them a lot of creative freedom to make some pretty risky choices, too. Yeah, yeah. that's true. With those I feel franchises. Like have actually been better. Yeah. It's been better oh, than yeah. Marvel. Because like, yeah, we, we seem to forget that in the early day of Marvel, like, all, not all those movies were great. <laughs> No, God. Like, what was that Evanescence song to Daredevil? Like the original? Well, Daredevil? that wasn't part of the. He, she's talking about way back in early two thousands. It was a MCU. Movie. Um, wasn't it? Well, it's not part of like MCU proper. No, 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 no. It's not. It's just like before they were bought out. The she's saying that Fox was killing Marvel. Basically, basically. Fox was killing Marvel because they were putting <laughs> oh, okay. out films like saying. Daredevil, which okay. was awful. Yeah, and, yeah. But that's how I Spider Man discovered awful Evanescence X Men. <laughs> oh, awful! <laughs> All right, last thing is uh, how does it hold up? How's the movie hold up after all these years? Frog thing's still a problem. Yeah. Yeah, frog thing is a problem. I don't think they could have gotten away with that now. No, they would definitely um, not have They would have been raped over the coals for that. Yeah, yeah which I think, is crazy because we have, like, this whole issue with what's going on oh, yeah. at the board. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, um, watching now, like, I feel like I enjoyed it just as much as I did when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Me personally. Um, I can say that too. Um, yeah. Like I still enjoyed it, and I think like I mean it's it is very formulaic. It, I mean you know Cornelius and Thumbelina fall for each other immediately, mm-hmm. and like all that. I don't know if you can tell a story like that anymore. Yeah, yeah. which is funny because like normally I have a problem with it, and at first when we were watching it, I was like I have a problem with this, and then they like. They start to go away, and they're just like, oh, forget me not. I'm just like, oh. <laughs> I mean, there's something um, fun about, like, the trope. There's I mean, something, it, like, it works for weirdly, a like, well done about making yeah. the audience root for this, like, stupid, like, five-second love. <laughs> yeah. You know? <laughs> Like, yeah. I, don't, I don't usually root for this in Disney movies. I'm usually just like, you met him five seconds ago. What is wrong with you? Yeah. But. No, I, I completely agree with you, but somehow I bought it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> somehow we in this movie, I bought it by the end of that stupid song. That's what it is. It's that song got me. They got me, man. The, I think it's the song. <laughs> because I like the Prince Philip and Aurora song as well when mm-hmm. they first meet. But I'm not 
cheering for Prince Eric, like or Prince Philip, Philip. yeah, like I was with Cornelius. I think I maybe maybe with Cornelius, you you get to see more of his struggle trying to get to her because he talks to the jitterbugs. He's talking to everybody. Have you seen her? Have you seen her? Like yes, you see the struggle. I a agree. Lot more. Mm-hmm. I agree wholeheartedly. I mean, I was bought by the end of "Let Me Be Your Wings." Like, That's true. It <laughs> was, was a very like, good song sequence. Yeah, like okay. He can be my wings too. Roll up your shoulders, But like, I agree with you. Like you said, with Aurora and Prince Philip, like even as a kid and even as an adult, I was just like, you know, I feel sorry for him that he's like betrothed to this girl, has no idea. But like, if he knew, I would be more sorry for him. But like, no, like that he knows, I no idea, has no idea meets this random girl in a field and is acting like this makes him seem like a creep to me. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, there was a certain amount of creepiness with Cornelius at first to me. He did get very close. But at first he doesn't come off as much as a creep as much as he does a fuckboy to me. Uh, Oh, yeah. yeah. (laughs) He was was like, I know I'm good looking. He didn't sneak up behind her and, like, touch her. Yeah. Like, he snuck up behind her and said, I'm here. (laughs) Right, he announced himself. (laughs) And said, mind if I cut in, which is actually kind of polite. (laughs) <laughs> and punny and punny, and punny. but he still fucked up her book and I'm mad about it that, is that was rude It was. but rude. I mean like it's an improvement from what was in the book true <laughs> when he just emerges from the flower no I mean like no, I mean the image in the book that he cuts. Oh, off. oh, oh, yeah. yes. And yes. then there's a real prince oh, yeah. instead of like this terrible drawing of a fairy prince with a bad haircut. You got a real one with a bad haircut. <laughs> Still good looking, just a bad haircut. Yeah. <laughs> you can always change hair. Yeah, can. Anyways, mm. yeah, I really enjoyed this movie, and I, I. Uh, I was looking forward to doing this episode. Mm-hmm. It was like, it did not disappoint. Yeah. <laughs> We've been waiting a while to do this, so. Yeah, I've been, like, for a month or two, two months now, yeah. actually. Yes, because we had, uh, we all, the three of us went to Disney World, and then we had MobileCon, and then we had, like, all these different things happen. It was Mm-hmm. It was one thing after another, and the whole time I was like, I just want to sing the Molina songs. Like, what <laughs> am I going to see? Cornelius! Aww. Who's your fairy fuck boy? <laughs> Honestly, it was the songs for me. I was like, the whole time I was like, man, and I'm singing songs in my head, and like, I want to watch the Molina. I'm going to watch the Molina. Screw this, I'm going to watch the Molina without them. No, I can't do that. <laughs> So everybody, D is loyal. D is loyal. Very loyal. Anyways, so do we know what the next movie is? Is it Pebble? I think it's Pebble. Oh yes, okay. Technically, we were supposed to watch Pebble and the Penguin, and then I was like, I hate that movie, so let's watch this instead. Oh, was that what happened? I didn't know this. It was because we were gonna watch it for my birthday, and then I was like, let's watch the Twilight instead, and then. You know, I never said anything about how we switched it up, and I just let you guys forget. <laughs> wow. Ninja dollars. <laughs> Is it though? Yeah. Is it though? Is it though?
We gotta check because. Well, no. But anyway, yeah, we're watching Pebble and the Penguin next. So. I mean, regardless. Thank you. That's, what, that's what's gonna happen. <laughs> thank you for letting us ramble on about yeah. how much we love this movie. Oh, yes. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for tuning in. Uh, this was the Blue Society, and we wanna hear your thoughts on uh, Blue Society or the movie, Thumbelina, as yeah. well. Um, again, our Twitter is at Blue Society. Mm-hmm. Um, do we wanna also share our personal Twitters at all? I'm not on Twitter. Find me at Instagram ha- uh, at D E E S E A B R O O K D C Brook. She does awesome makeup and cosplay stuff. It's yeah. really quite impressive. Yeah, it's very. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Havana H A V A N A underscore N. It's very basic, and then my <laughs> Twitter is Havana Tweets. Uh, you guys can find me under uh, on Twitter or Instagram at Mermaid Shells, and it's the same everywhere. So just cool. enjoy. Yes. Come All right. watch me ramble. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Y'all. Bye. Thank you. <laughs>